second floor oh, sports. Yeah. Matthias Wallman, Ben Carlton, bringing you all the action as always. Monday show is going to start becoming a staple for us, breaking down everything on the week for football. This is week one, so we got a lot to talk about. And I just I start kicking in. There were a number of times yesterday when I was watching football where I just had to like pinch myself and I'm like, wait, like I'm sitting here on the couch eating pizza, watching football. Like, how did we get here? It's the life. We're back. Like how, many, how many times in like March and April, like even into the summer, did you say to like any one of your friends be like, ah, oh, there's no shot. Football's going to happen. I mean, how many times have we both said on the show, football's not going to happen, right? Like, and I don't know if we ever explicitly said it's not going to happen. I think we both said it was not going to happen without a bubble. Yeah, I was surely, I was pessimistic. I won't lie. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen in its entirety. I thought it was going to be like a shell of itself. Um, if you're watching us on Instagram, welcome into the live show. If you're watching us after on YouTube, or if you're listening to us on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast, thanks for tuning in. Rate us, give us five stars, give us a follow. Let us know what you think. Call us <laughs> Come on have it. I like it. I like it. All our social medias. Uh, ben, you know, we got a lot of football to talk about. We got a lot there's, of basketball to talk about. There's but only one got, thing. That we we got to lead with today. I, I know, you know, th- neither of us like this at all but i feel like we have to lead with the most important news that came out today ben why don't you tell me probably like 10 15 minutes ago before the show got going i'm scrolling through twitter making sure there's not any like breaking news that i'm missing leandro barbosa retired yeah that is not what i thought you were going to say what'd you think that literally that's what we just agreed with no i was gonna oh you're talking about the i was okay yeah you lost your opportunity there the mlb go for it go for it it. mlb is banning the use of alcohol in celebrations in the postseason. Well, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, germs-wise, sure. So I'm also completely kidding. It makes zero sense. Like, <laughs> literally, like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, if you want to ban, like, on-field celebrations for mm-hmm. social distancing reasons, like, I don't like it, but it makes sense. It really does. I, what's, what's the best thing that comes from championships, right, in terms of celebrations? You got – like the team, the team parade after when you have, you know, players catching beers on the buses and just yep. absolutely shotgunning, crushing them against their heads, right? Yeah, J.R. Smith with a bottle of Henny on the bus. Like, and I don't want I, – you and I – I forget. I don't know if you actually heard the first-person account of J.R. Smith from the uh, 2016 like Cavs right? parade. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get – I don't want to disclose our sources here, but as someone we worked with it, I th- I've definitely told oh, you this. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I've yeah, definitely yeah. told you this. I don't yeah, want to get too yeah. into it, but – uh, heard a firsthand account that J.R. Smith was up to absolutely everything you thought he would be up to in the aftermath of the Cavs title in 2016. People just like it. as a Knicks fan, as like an a avid J.R. Smith fan, that just mm. warms my heart. It really does. I look, I J.R. Smith is obviously done and he's been done for a while, but my, I feel like I can't every LeBron wanted him back. Every, every great player has like a just like a signature moment against your favorite team right every legend does regardless yeah. of how good they are right jr smith's a legend he's not a hall of fame no um, of course not well i mean he is he's a hall of famer he will not be enshrined into the hall of fame let's put it that way okay so he's not a hall of famer um he had a dunk against gary neal on the Spurs, I think in 2014, where he just absolutely puts him in a grave. I mean, oh, well, you're not even thinking about – I thought you were going to reference uh, JR's, like, double-clutch reverse dunk against the Spurs. No, that, like – That was is, one of the, like, best dunks I've ever watched, like, live. Like, right up there is, with like the, him like, in DeAndre this Jordan, is, Brandon Knight poster. This is JR in Denver, so it wasn't was, 2014. Wasn't he in 2014? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what year it was, but he absolutely puts Gary Neal 
into the grave. Came to the Knicks in 2015, I think. Won sixth man, okay. I think the year after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won sixth man of the year. He had that double clutch. It wasn't like on anyone, but it was like late game against the Spurs. For some reason, the Knicks were smoking the Spurs. Yeah. And the greatest Argentinian point guard of all time, Pablo Prigioni, <laughs> threw JR Lob and just like so nonchalantly just caught it, double clutch. It had a pair of 12s on. Mm, crispy. I'm just asking if you could frame a moment for Ben, right? Or just like one, like, like a 10 second clip of you talking about J.R. Smith double clutching in a pair of 12s. Like that, that encompasses everything you love about life in just one sentence. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's stop talking about a little 2014 <laughs> Nick Spurs game and talk about the NFL week one. I mean, I think that went as well as you could possibly hope for as a Absolutely. fan, as Roger Goodell as an NFL player, like that was as normal, really, as you could have hoped for. Yeah, normal is the key here, right? Because, you know, we're like, how is this going to work outside of a bubble and all this and all that? And even besides it being normal, there were certainly some matchups that we liked this week, but there were some that were going to be god-awful, right? We were expecting Philly to come out and blow out the Washington football team, and we were like, okay, they're going to take their place as one of the worst teams, and then we thought – that the Colts were just going to blow out the Jaguars. Those were the two teams that everyone thought would be the worst in the well, league. I said it last And they come week, out and they both win. The Jags, are, I thought, were actually trying to lose 16 games this year. I thought, yeah. excuse me, the Washington football team, the Washington football, I need to, like, ingrain it into yeah. my – the amount yeah. of times I said their old name yesterday was like when yeah. I was watching. So, I, I said it so many times. Like, it, as an NFC East fan, like, it's just yeah. – it, it's literally the only name I've called them for the last 22 years. Yikes. Um, and I remember Chris Hansen on red zone, like the, literally like the first time he like cut to the game. He's like, and the Washington football team, that's the first time I've ever said that on TV. Like <laughs> it's just, it's so bizarre. I mean, look, their defensive line was a problem last year. Yeah. And then they added Chase Young, who already looks like he is going to become, I don't know, one of the top three pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, he looks every, every bit as deserving as the pick he was. Yeah. I, I know you're just going to laugh at me because I can't, you know, claim this anymore. Not that it's a particularly hot take, but last week when we were talking about our like NFL award predictions and stuff, we we talked about Patrick Queen maybe being a defensive uh, rookie of the year. We Don't say talk- we. You talked about. Okay, Patrick I did. We didn't even talk about Chase Young being a defensive. Well, I think we like whenever we do these picks, I like I try not to just uh, go like yeah. straight chalk. Yeah. So I'm like I like yeah. Chase Young is not a fun like. What are we gonna say? Chase Young is gonna win defensive rookie of the year because he's mm-hmm. the best defensive rookie. Like. Well, they, that, that doesn't make a good show. Uh-huh. And like this was, I this also was, just love Isaiah Simmons, but this was a really nice matchup for Washington to start out on, right? Because the rest of their defense is not very good, and if there's one thing that's always plagued the Eagles, or at least for the last four or five years, has been the receiving core yeah. is either bad or can't Plus, stay Carson healthy. Carson like shocking yeah. inability to stay on the field. Yeah, and and you know. For the most part, they've surrounded him with a good offensive line the last couple of seasons. You've seen, you've seen well, the most part. The Eagles' O line has been yeah. good. I mean, yeah, last season, last season they struggled a little bit. And this season, they have two players already done for the season, and they're moving. Uh, um, they're moving Jason Peters over for. I think he was. At he guard. went. From, they're, they're no, moved, he's playing tackle still. No, they well they moved him back. Um, right, right, they, right. They're flipping him around. Um, Washington football team eight sacks yesterday. I mean, and. And a good pass rush can make up for a lot of deficiencies yeah. on the defensive side of well, the that's, ball. Well, that's something we talked about uh, with the Vikings, which we'll get to later, was the fact that they added Ngakwe, and we thought that, you know, they could help a young, inexperienced secondary. 
And, you know, Bakhtiari locked him up yesterday and the Packers offense had their way. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're kind of bouncing around here. Let's like, maybe, I don't know, go <laughs> in accordance to a rundown or both. Like, I think we're, I, I'll speak for myself here. I think you too. I mean, like, I'm just so, so excited, excited to have football to talk about. <laughs> like, and all right, before we get into the games, just like presentation wise, it really wasn't mm-hmm. too bad without the fans. No, like the no, experience of watching football. There were a couple instances. I know I had red zone on one TV. And then of course I was watching with a friend of the pod, Josh Hayden, who insisted mm-hmm. we had the Browns game on. Mm, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, but I was mostly watching red zone and not the Browns game. And like, there were a couple instances where like they would cut to a game and there'd be some like issues with the audio level. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I heard at one point, like one stadium played like a, like a cheering sound when like team, like it, it was like an incomplete pass or something. Like oh. there were a couple, there were a couple of miscues, but again, like I said at the top of the show, like as normal and as solid, I think you could as you possibly could have hoped for. Yeah. yeah. I, if you remember back to when the NBA was starting back up, like their crowd noise wasn't perfect. And it, no, not at all. It, it's, it's not as good as regular. Major League Baseball's crowd noise was a disaster when they started it up. Yeah. It, it's never going to be as good as you, you know, as good as obviously having fans there. But I thought it was pretty solid for the most part. Um, it, it is interesting, The big thing too. is it wasn't a talking point. Like we're talking yeah. about it now, but like it was not a talking yeah. point at all. We're not just like, this distracting me from watching the game, which is the no, ultimate the goal. Slightest. You want it to be as normal as possible, but you don't yeah. want it to be distracting. And now, apart, from, apart from my classic, like, 30, 40-minute Sunday football nap, I was, I was going to bring that up. Of course. I got, a, I got a nice Snapchat from our good friend Stratton. Every Sunday for, you know, our, our, our friends that are listening to the pod that haven't lived with us in college at some point, been a tradition unlike any other falls asleep for at least 30 minutes every Sunday. It's usually towards the end of the one o'clock games. And obviously he's not going to fall asleep during a Giants game or no, something. Giant, but, I, yeah. I might want to, but yeah, you might want to, but, um, but like, it's usually, I'd say like towards the end of the one o'clock games kind of bleeding into yeah, the 4 p.m. Right? Four o'clock. Like yeah. I'm taking a nap. That's time. when the snooze button really comes out. Yeah. Um, we, we had talked about this uh, just to kind of put a bow on the, on the crowd noise and all that. Um, because it was pretty weird, not, not the crowd noise itself, but the camera angles when they were looking at, you know, like the, the, the empty seats and stuff. Like the classic, like low angle, like right yeah. on the side, like looking right at the offense. Yeah. It's not bad for football because most of the shots don't involve the fans. Obviously you have, you know, your standard stadium shots. You have your overhead views when there's a packed crowd, um, especially when they do in college football. Um, and then punts, really. But other than that, yeah. it's just the field. So I didn't think it was bad. And I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this morning, and it was pretty mm-hmm. interesting, too. You know, in the UFC, you know, no crowd noise is good because you can hear them, you know, stamping on the mat. You and, uh, and you hear punches the way you've yeah. never heard. We also can hear the crowd, like the coaches yeah. yelling at their fighters, which is kind of cool, in my opinion. Yeah. I thought, you know, football is a good sport to not have that. Because, like, you know, we were talking about this last week. I don't know how much of the US Open you, you caught, but. It was weird. Not as much as I would have liked. It was weird. Like, I tried watching it a lot of times, and it was just like, you know, presentation-wise, it was very similar because, you know, you can get by with not a lot of cheering after. But just looking at it, and then that little bit of cheering eventually caught up to it, and it was like, this is – oh, I don't like this. Like – I that's the new normal. Like, there's yeah. – you know, the part of me is like, well, is I enjoy talking about it. Kind of enjoy it. like just from like a production standpoint. Like it's cool to see how like different leagues and different networks are kind of handling it. But it's like, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm really just so happy to be able to like get back to talking about sports. Yeah, and not no. talking about the absence of sports. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, there's some teams like the Chargers and stuff that are used to playing in front of no no fans. So you know that's fine. Um, let's get 
into the games now. Uh, I think we should start with the rookies because they had yeah, some great I mean, nice performances yesterday. I, I caught some I of Joe Burrow's game. I was going to say, I'm number one overall pick starting yeah. day one. As much pressure as he's probably ever going to see in an NFL start until he like, gets to the playoffs for the first yeah. time. Nothing special. 23 or 36, almost 200 yards, a pick. I mean, it was a rough pick, too. That was yeah, really the no, only. It was, a, it was not good. Uh-huh. Like, only I mean, real mistake. One pick for a rookie in his first NFL start playing on a miserable team in the Bengals, yeah. you can live with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Mixon held to under 75 rush yards, I think. They have a good receiving core. But you got to remember, that offensive line is god-awful. Look, there's a reason and the Bengals – Joe Mixon doesn't add anything as a receiving back. The thing you got to remember, too, is like the Chargers defense, even without Derwin James, is really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, it's not an easy task for a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Excuse me, like similar to the um, thing about Daniel Jones and the Giants offense going up against the Steelers week one. Like there's so much, I wouldn't say hype about the Giants offense this year. Not a like, rookie. Mm-hmm. Not a rookie. Second year showed improvement. If I could make a point for once in my life without you interjecting with something completely irrelevant, that would be really cool. Well, Thank you're talking you. about rookies going against good defenses week one. I'm so. talking about a second year quarterback going against a good defense week one. If I could make my point, if All I could right. make my point. Go ahead. There's a lot of expectations about, okay, can the Giants get Saquon Barkley on the field for 16 games with Daniel Jones? I think last year, Daniel Jones played with all of like Saquon, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Golden Tate for like 80 snaps. Yeah, that sounds right. That was the number everyone was throwing around in fantasy. Like, oh, draft Daniel Jones high, oh, this, that. Well, it's like, yeah, not like the Giants were great last year, but like you look at the fact that Daniel Jones didn't play with his like full starting offense. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously he's presumably is going to improve this year, but they're going up against the Steelers week one, which is another great defense. Yeah, that's a team too we talked about last week uh, in the Steelers that if Big Ben can be like 50% of what he used to be, something like that, like – they'll probably make the playoffs will be a plus 500 team. Like they can make some noise in the AFC North, but as we I'm saw. Still not sold, obviously, no, I, I know. I, I said noise. I didn't say even come close to winning. Cause as we saw they yesterday, playoffs. the Ravens, the Ravens are the they're team good. we thought they were. Yeah. They're easily the, the best we thought, we thought they were combined with a miserable performance from the Browns. That one. Remember back to last week, uh, last year, week one Browns also just absolutely, you know, shit to bed. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> You know, I think they had like 15 or 16 penalties that week. Like, it was awful. It was really um, ugly. Uh, what I really liked from Joe Burrow, um, again, against a good defense, was especially that last drive. Like, he led them to a win. Um, I thought the call yeah. on A.J. Green in the end zone, kind of the push-off extension of the arm, which we'll obviously talk about a little bit later with Sunday Night Football. Um, I, you know, I thought that was a good call. You saw that he created separation with his arm and then actually pushed off, but – you have that, and then they should have gotten to OT. And then um, it was a Randy Bullock that shanked the kick. I don't know if you saw the replay, but he grabbed his calf after. Yeah, no, he got hurt. Yeah. I, it was like it was one of those yeah, he got hurt. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he was limping off the – either he was either faking the injury, which would be so bad. It's like a 30-yard field goal. Look. But he also missed literally an extra point. Like, that is yeah. ugly. Also, just the last note on Joe Burrow, I mean, the poise. Like, he didn't, yeah. look, didn't look overwhelmed, didn't look scared. I mean – yeah, there's a reason the Bengals were 2-14 and 14 last year and got the number one overall pick. Like, they're bad. Yeah. A.J. Green was a top five wide receiver in the league, but has been hurt for the better part of three seasons. Yeah. And I really don't know what to expect out of him. I mean, I was reading, like, fantasy-wise, I was reading just some, like, outlooks on A.J. Green. They're, like, kind of a buy-low guy, actually, because he was falling. Because yeah. he hasn't played a full NFL season in three years. Like, yeah. 
I mean, not like Joe Burrow doesn't have weapons to work with. And, you know, obviously enough has been said about his legs that everyone knows about. He had like a 30-yard touchdown run His yesterday. first NFL touchdown was a yeah. rushing touchdown. I mean, he – again, on that last drive, that's really what I took away from that game was he looked really poised and he wasn't – you know, he didn't crash under the pressure. And they worked down the field. He put his team in a position to win. And you're not always going to win those games. So a pretty, <laughs> pretty rough but accurate introduction yeah, to the NFL for Joe Burrow, I'll say. Um, if we can now talk about the most exciting quarterback in the NFL, Gardner Minshew. Ooh, 19 of 20, 173 yards, three tutties. I mean, talk about efficiency. My God. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of that swag to him, right? Because we were all talking about – you know, the Jags, just a fire sale this year. Just yeah. absolutely want Trade to give everyone a value. Yeah. Lose and 16 games and draft Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's, it's kind of like – it's like the Washington football team too, right? Like, that's still so weird to me. I, every time, it's going to take me. <laughs> I, really, I really need them to come up with a name soon. Like, um, you know, it, it's that same thing is you come out week one and everyone's like, okay, no one's expecting us to win more than two or three games. Like, no. why not? Let's just come out and play. I think you know, their official Washington- over-under was four and a half. Is that what we said last week? Yeah, I, I would have hammered the under on the Jaguars. That was, that was my bet of the week. My, yeah. my season-long bet was take the under on that. Off to a bad start. Um, I but, still don't think the Jags – are you telling me you think the Jags are going to be this, the dark horse team this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> would you still take Jags under four and a half wins? <laughs> I'd put my house on it. Exactly. Um, uh, look, I, I don't think we have to put that much into it. This is a rough week, though. Uh, I'm in a survivor pool as well. I was kind of toying with picking the Colts, who obviously lost – uh, to the Jags. I ended up going with the Bills who beat the Jets, so I'm happy with myself there at least. Um, interesting, interesting. I really also don't know survivor pools all that well personally. Well, the, the big thing is you just got to plan for the whole season. You can't just... Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, you know, just kind of wrapping up our surprise teams of just, you know, Washington um, and then the Jags. I, does Doug Marone get fired from the Jags if they win more than three games? If they win more, because they really, want to lose every oh, game, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, why wouldn't you want Trevor Lawrence? I mean, it literally, it's, it's literally looking like kind of a weird analogy, but it's like if you think about like Philly, was like in the middle of like the whole trust the process era when they were actively like losing, 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 losing. Like you don't want to bring in a head coach that's going to win you games. Yeah, you're simply <laughs> just trying to acquire the number one pick. Like as weird as it sounds, like I think it, it's got to be a tough spot for Doug Marone because you want to keep a good culture in the team, like within yeah. the team presumably he's also being told to lose games and like go for the yeah. go for trevor lawrence i mean i know that, that blows that's, up the whole trevor lawrence to the pats theory but cam mm-hmm. newton's playing like a dog again so see that that's what i think it, it goes back to like when when the sixers were like one of the worst teams in his they were the worst team in his no was they the worst team or the bobcat bobcats the worst team the bobcats in a shorter season yeah okay so i think with situations like that like you're not trying to lose every game but you don't you're have, not trying yeah. to like okay okay but here's the thing you can at least disguise not trying to lose as you know develop the young guys and you just don't have as many weapons okay, yeah, think, you can disguise it but what is it i see i don't think doug marone and the jags are trying to lose games but they clearly put out a team there but they don't expect to win more than two three games like i think it's kind of it's a chicken it's hearsay at that point yeah, exactly but. it's like are they actively like trying yeah. to throw nfl games probably yeah. not are they trading away talented pieces in exchange for draft picks and prioritizing player development over established veterans mm-hmm. looks like it yeah um just to wrap up before we get to actual you know good teams uh this week um i want to read you just the drive summaries for the uh 
um, or the drive results, I should say, for the Eagles in the second half. They were leading 17 to nothing at one point over. Again, I wish Elliot was in the stream right the now. Worst teams. Um, punt, interception, missed field goal, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, fumble. It's not bad. the way you want to end a football game. Bad, 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 bad. And look, no Miles Sanders. That's your best weapon on offense. You, you know, Someone tell Jack Hamilton Miles Sanders didn't play. Yeah, you got a, <laughs> yeah, our good buddy Jack Hamilton, uh, who actually won our fantasy oh, one-time league. One-time league champion beat me. Yeah. <laughs> so our, you know, not to talk about fantasy that much because, you know, it, you can talk about fantasy, but really who cares about other people's well, so for Who cares about our, other people's fantasy teams? And as much as, like, as much as it is fun to talk fantasy football – we're in the same league. Like, yeah, I, was thinking, so I, was, I was kind of, I was like, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, like I would love to do like a fantasy segment, like, you know, waiver out of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you who I want to take off the waiver wire. Like I'm trying to win the league. Yeah. I don't think you, uh, I don't think either of us need more help. We've both made the playoffs both years that our league has been alive. Both we both, we both won the league champions, but Ben the first year made the league championship against a guy who didn't check his team from weeks like six to 15 probably, but had Todd Gurley. Yeah. So he beat me in the first round and then beat Ben in the championship. And now Ben and I are two people in this league that, you know, really scour the waiver wire and actually pay attention. Well, personally, I just draft better than everyone. So I don't really need to pay too much attention to the waiver wire. I've led the league and, you know, points scored both years. And then last year I lost against a guy who doesn't know football and just, just happened to draft Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. Yeah. So, all right. Enough fantasy. We talked about Aaron Rodgers not being like an elite level, like top tier A grade NFL quarterback anymore. More, I we is that not what we talked about last week? Finish your point, and then I, I think that's a little. Generous. Aaron Rodgers ball like yeah, four hundred yards, four tutties, three. I think uh, I think it was three touchdowns. Two of them, Absolute, Devontae Adams, absolutely balled out. Devontae Adams looking every bit the part of a top five wide receiver in the league. I mean, you know. I say I don't want to overreact to week one of the NFL. I love overreacting to week one of the NFL. But like, that's, why do you think we have a podcast? Exactly. You know, one day after opening day, let's overreact the shit out of it. Like, that's I job. mean, it looks like a, a perfect scenario for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers where they can, where they've got the offense clicking on all cylinders and it's, mm-hmm. they're not asking Aaron Rodgers to like be the God and completely carry the offense. I mean, those last couple of years under Mike McCarthy, McCarthy's whole offensive system was like, okay, I've got this guy, Aaron Rodgers at QB one. Uh, he's pretty good. Let's just play playground football and have Devontae Adams and like an aging Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, just like kind of like run down the field and make something up on the fly. Mm-hmm. Not surprisingly, that didn't work in the NFL. You yeah. bring in Aaron Jones. You finally free Aaron Jones last year. The continued improvement of Devontae Adams. And they still very much need like a number two wide receiver behind yeah. Adams. But man, I talk about a, a dream week one if you're the Packers. Absolutely. And against a division rival and, you know, easily your, you know, your, your stiffest competition in the division. And this is a concern that we talked about last week. You picked the Packers to win the uh, NFC North. I picked the Vikings. And that was, you know, on the basis that they could figure out their defensive seven. And then, you know, they can, their front seven, they can figure out how to, you know, take the pressure off of a young and experienced uh, secondary. And they just didn't do that. They got absolutely torched by Devontae Adams, who also dropped what probably would have been a touchdown. He oh, should have had. I forgot three. about that. Wow. He, had, yeah. he should have had three touchdowns. Um, this is what we, you know, the reason I was kind of saying, eh, when you said that, uh, I said that, you know, Ryder not, might not be an elite quarterback anymore. I think he's still, you know, a top five quarterback in the league, probably easily top is 10. Aaron easily. Rodgers, yeah. Top 10. I'll give you, but top yeah. five potentially he has top five potential. 
in the league. Um, you know, again, he doesn't have that second receiver. And this was an Aaron Rodgers that we were like, this this is like a fuck all my haters, Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's yeah. pissed off. Like, you, they drafted his, his replacement in the first round. Aaron Rodgers has been crying Jordan for Love help. First round? Like, yeah, Jordan Love, 23rd right. overall, whatever it was. Aaron yeah. Rodgers has needed help on that offense for years. Yeah. And then in the first round, they're like, all right, we're taking uh, another quarterback who realistically won't uh-huh. see the field for two years, three years. Yeah. They, they literally, like, they've needed wide receiver help since Jordy Nelson, you know, stopped being an elite receiver. Um, like five years ago at this yeah, point? Yeah, I think it was a fantastic start for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They did have a couple of injuries on the offensive line, something to watch because, you know, you got to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. But if there's any quarterback you trust outside the pocket throwing on the run, Aaron Rodgers is one of them. I'm not saying he's the top one, but. I mean, yeah, and I also think if you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're at a point in your career, and I don't know if he had some, I don't know if this, like, came to him in the offseason or, like, what exactly his mentality is. Mm-hmm. Like, Aaron Rodgers is a, a confident guy, let's say. He knows for a minute he was Fair. the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. He's only got one ring. Yeah. Like, he's got to look at his team and be, what, 36, 37 years old? Like, he's getting towards, mm-hmm. getting towards that time for NFL quarterbacks where your skills start to decline. You don't have it as much. He's got one ring. He's, I, it's got to kind of be like a mentality of like, damn, like, I got to make this happen right now. Yeah, this is my time. I wonder if he got a little complacent. I mean, there were a lot of reports of him in, at, like, the last couple years in Green Bay of him just kind of being an asshole. Yeah. He's a guy who was kind of like – so confident in his own abilities. I think part of that is probably the Mike McCarthy, the Matt Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. spaced out there. there. The Mike McCarthy system though is just like Aaron Rodgers playing Sandlot football. Yeah, I I've got to think that you know him on the floor maybe a little bit more on the same page offensively this year. I think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, I mean second year with a new head coach that's always huge for you. Exactly. Um, you know it's something you talked about too with the Vikings before we move on to our next matchup was. How are they going to replace, you know, Stephon Diggs is no longer there. I think uh, Jefferson had like three or four catches, which is like, you know, it's a rookie in his first game when he had no preseason and a shortened training camp, no surprises. But, you know, some of the holes and the concerns of this Vikings team got exposed. Absolutely. Um, well, let's move on to our next game. One, one of my favorite games, because I actually didn't get to watch the Patriots game. I watched the 10-minute uh, the highlights and then I caught some more clips on Twitter and YouTube after because uh-huh. I have, you know, I'm not complaining that I actually have a job doing play-by-play for a, uh, for a youth team, um, but it's only on the weekends. <laughs> um, you know, they lost their first game, so I didn't make it back in time. Um, we'll hit on the Patriots a little later. Um, but I got to catch the whole second half of Arizona and the 49ers. And my biggest takeaway from Arizona's win was – I think the better team won there, at least the better team yesterday. Debo okay, Samuel yeah, is hurt. Debo Samuel yeah. is hurt. You know, important to note. But Arizona played yeah. better yesterday. I remember when I was my when we were talking about when we were previewing this game last week on our NFL preview special, I was saying, you know, I like the I like the Cardinals fantasy wise because I think they're gonna get down big to the Niners and have to like throw the ball a bunch to catch up. Completely the opposite. Yeah. The Cardinals were in control of this game the entire way. Like, yeah, close game. But, like, if you watch the game, it's the overall momentum of the game. It was the Niners trying to keep up with the cards, which is mm-hmm. – find me someone who said that was going to happen. Yeah. I think Hopkins had over a buck 50. 14 uh, for 150 and a tutty. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty no, good. No, no touchdown. Excuse me. No touchdown. 14 for 150. You sure? You know, he had a touchdown. Oh, no, he was stopped short. No, he didn't. Yep. Stopped short. Yeah, well, um, he, got, yeah, he had a touchdown and they took it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really going to be about the defense if they can hold up. It was atrocious last season. I didn't get to see your uh, your boy in the middle of the field play. 
for the Cardinals. Um, you know, this is going to be a really fun team. That's a really competitive division down there. There are a couple that potentially are wide open. The Seahawks looked really good yesterday. Um, it's going to be a fun season. You know, we, we talked about not really defined at the top. That's something you had mentioned last week. But there are mm-hmm. a lot of kind of those middling teams. I put Arizona as a middling team because there's a lot of potential. But we have to see it first. I think know? one of the most ridiculous stats I saw about the Cardinals game yesterday. So Kyler Murray was the Cardinals' leading rusher. 13 carries, mm-hmm. 91 yards, a touchdown. Long rush yep. of 25 yards. Mm-hmm. You know how many times Kyler Murray got tackled on those 13 yeah. rushing attempts? Once. He just slid every time, right? Slid or went out of bounds. Yeah. And he got tackled that, one time. Well, that was, you know, it was like, something people were talking about last season was that he needs to be careful. You know, someone well, like Cam Newton. He's not built like Cam Newton. He's not but built like Cam. I, it literally, eventually. It's like, I, I don't want to compare Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson just yet because that's, you know, completely irrational. Mm-hmm. But we did say we were going to overreact to week one in the NFL. Absolutely. I, I've said this to friends. I've said this on the pod before. Like, yeah, Lamar Jackson plays like risky with how much he stays in bounds. But like Lamar Jackson doesn't get touched. Like there was one play against yeah. the Browns yesterday where he just like, it was, I, I don't think it was a designed run, but he like scrambled out to the right, took it. it along it was, the like, sidelines? Right along the right sideline. Yeah. Line. Made three guys miss, and it didn't even look like he was playing more than like sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Like made three and guys miss, and they got tackled. But it was like a shove out of bounds. He just like rolled out of it and kind of like popped right up. It's like, and that was the issue with RG three. Was RG three would take yep. these hits in the open field that he just didn't need to. Yeah, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are gonna get hit. They're playing in the NFL against the best defenders in the world. Like they're gonna take hits. Mm-hmm. But if you're Kyler and you, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, especially, you look at Kyler Murray and say, "Damn, he got tackled one time on thirteen rushing attempts." Mm-hmm. Like. It's against the Niners defense. That was one of the best in the leagues last year. Best in yeah. the league last season. They came in. They came into the number one seeds house and beat them. Yeah, like, and like yeah, they lost a couple pieces and they're getting older. But it's like, it's not like it's not like losing DeForest Buckner was the difference between them stopping Kyler Murray on the ground and not. It is a big loss. It's um, a big loss, but that's not the guy that's going to stop Kyler Murray. Yeah, um, we're gonna you know keep going on running quarterbacks a little bit or lack thereof um well okay this is something that i saw in dak last night and we're gonna hit on sunday night football and we'll eventually get to russell wilson and his just absolutely shredding of atlanta's defense um i i've never understood dak not using his wheels more than he does um no, maybe that wasn't a fair transition going from Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'm like, well, you said running quarterback, and I'm looking at like Rams Cowboys next on a rundown. I'm like, <laughs> I, Jared Goff. Well, well you don't uh, know Uber athletic. Ability. Yes, Dak hey. Prescott, athletics. I'm like, where is he going with this? Hey, we talked a lot of smack about Jared Goff last season. We both said in the preview, can't give up on him yet. He is young, but he's got to play to that contract. Sean McVay came in with an awesome game plan yesterday. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. I think I saw at one point a stat uh, in the fourth quarter. He was like 10 of 13 for 110 yards when he throws it in under three seconds. And that's what made Drew Brees so successful against the Bucs yesterday. They were just whipping it out of his hands. And Brees didn't even look good, honestly. Yeah, like, we'll no, talk about that, that game was kind of gross. But the thing about golf is like, yes, he, there's a system quarterback is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot as an insult in the NFL. Like, you don't want to be labeled a system quarterback. Mm-hmm. But, like, unless you're Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and, you know, your whole game plan is just have Aaron Rodgers make up the offense on the fly, like, every offense has a system that they want to run. Mm-hmm. All you can do as a quarterback is execute the system the way your coach wants you to. Yep. And if Sean McVay is, cre- is dialing up the perfect system to take full advantage of Jared Goff's abilities as a quarterback, good for him. 
Yeah, Fine. I mean, don't force your quarterback into positions where he has to do too much. Like Jared Goff is not, in my opinion, Jared Goff is not going to win you NFL games single-handedly. He, they have the weapons around him to win games. They have the weapons around him. But like if you, you're down for two minutes left, pick an NFL quarterback and a league average supporting cast. Are you picking Jared Goff to lead that drive? That's a no for me, dog. Exactly. You're not taking Jared Goff like game on the line to save your season. But Sean McVay is a very good NFL head coach. He's a genius. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the league for a reason. We've seen him scheme Jared Goff into a Super Bowl once when he was, what, that was his second season as a full-time and starter? kind of scheme themselves out of the Super Bowl, too. But... Scheme themselves out of it. Also, just got absolutely outcoached. Like, yeah. I mean, that, I, we talked about this. I, well, I don't know why we're talking about a Super Bowl from two years ago at this point. But, like, I think you one had One of the both, worst Super Bowls, too. The worst Super Bowl I've ever watched, personally. And just, I, I won't get into it. Never mind. Um, like young quarterback, young coach going up against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Like, who did you really think was going to win that game? Shout out Charlie Novak's uh, guacamole. That's all I'll say. That was fun. We were out in LA for that, which was cool. But we were also like, wait, shit, the Super Bowl starting at like three thirty p.m. Yeah, it was. Like, this is not great. Weird. I really thought just going off on a tangent because I feel like you have to a couple. And that's kind of what we do. Um. I really was a believer that West Coast like time for sports was the best. I it's not. I it's think not, man. It's, I need a late night game. Like yeah, as someone who was almost always mountain up, range is the one night, for me. I think I like East Coast man. There's, it's like all right Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do is be up at like nine thirty. Yeah, to watch the ten a.m. slip. Like I don't want. I well, did not enjoy that. That's why I think like either Central or Mountain. Where it's, you know, you can start at 11 or 12 and you don't He's finish. Come, what are you I don't, saying, I don't, dog? I don't, I don't, don't want to finish. A, yesterday, yesterday. All right, I don't so want to finish a game at 1130 if I can avoid it. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather like, finish I'd, a game at like 10, you know? I don't, also don't want to start a game like, at 4 p.m. In LA with like the NBA was like, I love having like a late night NBA game or a late yeah. night watch like before I go to bed. Yeah. Like, you could turn the TV off at... 9 30 and be like all right what like what are you supposed to do now that was that was the funny <laughs> thing for us i remember having this conversation with you we were like we would watch like i don't know like a late clippers game or something on tnt and we're well, it wasn't you know, even a late game it was a seven o'clock start no 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 no. it would be well, like okay yeah but, okay i'll say the late the late and yes, a tnt okay. game so the second game of a double header that usually starts at like 9 30 on tnt or 10 30 and we're used to that game ending at, you know, midnight, which I think is too late or 1 a.m. When did but, you turn into like a 55-year-old man? Yeah. Okay. Once I graduated college. I'm so old, man. 30 years? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I remember the game would end and it would be like 9.30 p.m. And we'd be like, so what do we do now? Then I've got two hours to sit around and think about how I did nothing but like sit on the couch and watch TV. Yeah. Like, Our I'll lives are so hard. all day and watch TV and then get in bed and not have to think about it uh let, let's pull back the reins let's go back to um to, hey we literally have if you if you're looking for us to stay like hard on topic you're watching the wrong show yeah uh dallas um you're saying something about Dak prescott being a, a running quarterback or yeah with that well, i wish he would use his legs more like Dak was a little underwhelming yesterday like he didn't wow me yesterday 25 of 39 266 a touchdown no picks but uh, that's the thing is you know the criticism has been that Dak prescott performs really well against bad teams and it doesn't perform that well against good teams. This is a good team that he faced because the Rams, for all their deficiencies, their defensive line play has never been in question, right? They have also got Aaron Donald, who yeah, you like is one just, of the best, one of those true, like 
game plan destroyers yeah. in the NFL. Like, there's nothing you, you can do video? about Aaron Donald. Did you see that video of him attacking from the right side of the line and just shoving a guard and center at the yeah. same time? And then also it? just choke slamming Zeke? <laughs> like, I saw one great video on Twitter of Aaron Donald choke slamming Zeke. And then, like, when Zeke hit the ground, they had, like, the Undertaker theme kick in. That's funny. Yeah, it was good stuff. I mean, like, oh, my God, Aaron Donald's a monster. Yeah. And I remember the year he got drafted, the Giants picked Odell right before him. And, like, mm-hmm. literally up until the draft, I was agonizing over, like, who I wanted the Giants to take. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back on it, I wish I would have taken Aaron Donald because Odell mm-hmm. Beckham, you know, <laughs> kind of a shitty wide receiver, if you will. That, those are never going to go away. That's never dying. Absolutely never dying. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just like, and there was so much noise about like, do you want like an interior pass rusher? Like what's the value of an interior pass rusher over an edge rusher? Mm-hmm. Like Aaron Donald's completely broken the mold there. Yeah, absolutely. Unstoppable. He's like absolute super, game changer. Uh, um, I mean, how many, how many NFL players can you say are truly unstoppable? Three defensively NFL players, period. I mean, put Pat up there, mm-hmm. put, Lamar I mean, Jackson like, with an asterisk. Yeah, you can't put Lamar up there yet. I mean, we've seen we saw him get stopped last year. Like, yeah, prime Eric, JJ Watt, not so much anymore. But prime Derrick Henry Watt. was unstoppable last season towards the end. But like all these people are like, they were, yeah. they could be, they can be. Aaron Donald yeah. is consistently unstoppable. Yeah. Period. End of sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would have said Michael Thomas, but that would not go well with uh, with what we saw yesterday. Two um, for twelve, like that was garbage. Yeah, uh, wrapping a putting a bow on Dallas. And then moving over to Bucks Saints, which was obviously the game to watch yep. yesterday for multiple reasons. Um, we got to talk about the offensive pass interference that really decided Look, the game. There were, there were two plays in my mind, and I don't, you know, this is not just my mind and everyone's, I think, um, that decided the game. It was the offensive pass interference and then going for it on fourth and three, I think, with Dallas trailing by three. Um, and the fourth and three, I have no issue with. I've, I don't have an issue the with. The NFL is moving so fast. I don't away like from, the play call. Like, I, don't like the play call. The, the play call you could have an issue with, but like you got to go for that. You can't run a drag route on like a fourth and three and have it run short of the well, first. Do you down think that's the play call, or do you think that's poor route running? Either way, imagine, you got it. I can't imagine they're like, yeah, yeah, run a one yard drag right now on fourth and three. Well, it's probably. <laughs> I didn't watch it again, but it was probably some sort of pick play in the middle to kind of jumble up the receivers. That's I mean, that's got to be on the wide. That's got to be on the receivers. Like you. I mean, they were running. Past they the said. McCarthy said he was running a mesh route, which is a drag. That's not. That's you gotta not run that. I don't. I don't put that on McCarthy though. That's, you gotta put. You gotta run that route past the sticks. Like. It, yeah. That's like rule number two of being an NFL wide receiver. Like third, yep. fourth down, get past the sticks. Rule number but, one, being like catch the does, damn ball. It does reflect. It does reflect your coaching though. I, a lot of complaints yesterday. Have you ever about, seen a team like run a ton of like crossing routes or rub routes and like key third and fourth downs before? That ring. That ring any bells? Yes, but if you have a, you know, if it's successful and you're used to it working and you're not just running it two yards short in a fourth down in a one score game instead of tying it up, again. Was it Gallup who caught that? Uh, I don't. No, I think it was CD Lamb, wasn't it? I don't know, whoever it was, like, I don't put that on McCarthy. You got, I put some of it on Dak. You got to maybe throw a bit of a better ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I've, I'll say it again. You got to run that route past the sticks. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no excuse for that. I'm not just putting it on a receiver. I'm putting it kind of whole thing. You got you to coach better, too. But then, obviously, like, literally the game-deciding play, game deciding play yeah. slash penalty, the OPI against Michael Dowen is against Gallup. Yeah. Look, was, I don't it, like the call. was it egregious? No. Was it, like, did it make a huge impact in Jalen Ramsey's ability to defend the play? No. Kind of. Uh, 
Did See, Michael Gallup oh, stick his hand all the way out? Did he fully mm. extend his arm? Yes. yes. Did Jalen Ramsey sell it a little bit? Everything you were saying is true so far. How, how do you not call that? I don't call that the because... Officials are trained to look for the extension, right? No, but they're, they're, they're trained to look for not only the extension, but it's also creating separation. And the way, if you watch it again, you can see that Gallup extends that arm, but it's more of a getting his hands free because they were tied up hands-wise. and both, he had going a, both ways, going both ways. Yeah, it's going, that's why it's, you know, it was kind of negligible contact for me because he does have the arm extended, but you're not seeing the push-off. If you're looking at the A.J. Green play, for example, you can see a clear push-off there. Again, Jalen Ramsey, like Ramsey earned that call. He got beat and he earned it by selling it. I don't have a problem with that. Look, uh, I don't. I don't think <laughs> if you're if you're again like the officials got to call this in real time. We don't have pa- like pass interference review anymore. Thank God. Thank they, God. We need it but back. it would have like, been nice we here. Have, we need to have a better set. Well, they would have gotten the call wrong. Yeah, <laughs> probably. They would have <laughs> gotten right. the call wrong. Like, <laughs> you're right. Look, it's not the worst call that as God knows it's not the worst call I've ever seen. If you're an official in real time, you see a wide receiver either way, a wide receiver or a DB, you see like a full arm extended. Mm-hmm. You're going for the flag every time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have mind them taking a, the officials taking a second look, especially a play that huge that well, like, side of the game. I mean, like I know, I know. And, like I said, what happened last year when the officials could yeah. take a second look at pass interference yeah. calls? How many calls did they blatantly just miss? Yeah. And I tell you, the Rams really benefit from uh, bang bang uh, pass interference calls, don't they? Huh? <laughs> Except that one was a lot more bang bang than the other one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Before we move on to Bucks Saints, Ramsey, you know, really earned that play and then just absolutely leveled. I think it was Amari Cooper. Yeah, Amari Cooper on one yeah. catch. But I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Like Dak went six of six targeting Jalen Ramsey yesterday. I mean, it's like you put in the rundown. You said this to me, like. You know, I said last week that Jalen Ramsey hadn't really established himself as yeah. like the number one best corner in the league the way some other the top paid players at their positions have. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like he's a little bit. I think it's interesting the way Jalen Ramsey gets used because remember when he was coming out of Florida State? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was more. He was viewed as more of like a hybrid player. That's kind of more what he played in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But then the Rams have really been using him more as just like a straight corner, which is not a bad thing. Yep. Like, I'm surprised to see Jalen Ramsey playing as much, like, strict, like, island man-on-man coverage as he, as he does now. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the strength. I'm also not an NFL defensive coordinator, unfortunately. No, alas. Um, sloppy start for Tom Brady, for Tampa Bay. Um, if we're in overreaction, we're saying Tom Brady looked the same in week one with a lot Is better. Is that overreaction? Not I don't over- think that's an overreaction at all. I think that's pretty spot it's, on. It's like, not an overreaction. You have the same issues you had last year. Yeah. Well, that, that was the – that's kind of a concerning thing. You have a lot better receivers. And, look, when you're looking at his performance last season, these are not mutually exclusive. You can say didn't have good weapons and necessary weapons at the age of 43 uh, to perform at that level. Tom Brady's 43. <laughs> and, two, you know, he declined in play. Uh, that, that doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. It just means he's not playing like the greatest quarterback of all time. The you overreaction know, I, the overreaction to be had here is Brady is not going to connect with Mike Evans. He struggles yeah. to push the ball downfield. Bruce Arians' system is completely wrong for Brady. That's the overreaction. And I I, the from Bruce Arians, that, too. I think from Bruce Arians, too. He did that, say he did say in a press conference today, he's like, I was surprised and disappointed, I think is what he said, that Tom Brady played the way he did. Brady, wouldn't you be? Like, yeah, but I don't know. You come out as Bruce Arians with you literally have the best quarterback of all time, and you come out and say that. Like, 
kind of weird. I mean, what are you going to do? Baby him? He's 43. He's seen absolutely. You think Bill Belichick has never looked Tom Brady and said you played like shit? No, but who's going to come out and, you know, would say that about LeBron, right? For example. I mean, but it's kind of like it's I – mean, is he wrong? Not wrong. Are you, are you worried about Brady play better? Like, are you worried Brady's going to, like, go home and cry about it to Giselle and, like, be super upset about it? Like, he's a competitor. He can't, you think he can't yeah. handle his coach saying he was disappointed in his play? I'm just saying he can't handle it. I'm just saying, like, it, it's – sounds like that's what you're saying. As, kind of struck me as weird. Um, was not on the same page with his receivers. He threw a pick. Uh, the first one he threw because he wasn't on the same page with Mike Evans. Um, uh, he looked really mediocre, and that was a, you know, winnable game. The Saints defense did play well. Give credit where credit is. Saints defense was good. Your boy Janoris Jenkins returning a pick. <laughs> is that um, my boy? Uh, I guess so. I don't know. Well, um, you mentioned that, that pick six. I mean, this is, like, such a weird, like, cherry pick stat, and, like, it really doesn't mean all that much. Brady's got three straight games with a pick six. He's the first guy to – do you know who's the first guy to do it since? Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub in 2015. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember thinking Matt Schaub was an elite quarterback with the Texans, and then he threw a pick six. What? Like, I thought he was nice. And then he threw like seven – he threw a pick six in like seven straight games. Um, yeah. I think the overreaction here is the Bucks are in trouble. I don't think they are. Um, but well, I, I think I the, was, con- the concerns about Brady struggling to adapt to a new system for the first time yeah, in 20 years that was surprising are real and they're yeah. evident for we, I, yeah, it's week uh-huh. one with no preseason, yeah. but like mm-hmm. they're, it's clear people it, like the concerns were that we had in the preseason were all completely valid and validated mm-hmm. after that week one performance. Yeah. And it, it was a sloppy team. Like this is a team that committed the most, uh, the most penalties in the NFL last season. And yep. by a pretty wide margin, they had a, butt ton of turnovers because of Jameis Winston who threw 30 interceptions. Um, like it's a little concerning for, for Tom Brady and for the whole team that they've kind of come out and they played the same as last season, right? And they haven't I think seen an improvement. One thing I mentioned on the show last week was like the last couple of years in new England, they've been all about the run game. Like it's yeah. been established the run, established the run, get or try to establish two, two touchdowns for Brady. And then you're looking at a win. Or at least an extension of the run through flare, uh, like little flare passes out to yeah, James White and little dink and dunks and checkdowns and that yeah. type of stuff. Like mm-hmm. sh- the short game is the way the Pats won their games the past two years. They weren't pushing yeah. the ball deep downfield. They didn't have the weapons to do that. Mm-hmm. I think expecting Brady to just and like yeah, he's an NFL quarterback. He's a, one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game. It's not like he's gonna look at this playbook with the box and be like, "What is this? Like, how do I do it?" Mm-hmm. Like. If you've been playing one style of football, I'm not saying the Pats have played the same way for 20 years, but if you've been playing one style of football for the past like three, four years and playing virtually the same type of offensive system for your entire career, mm-hmm. it's not easy to just switch over like that. It's yeah. not. Um, I mean, I'll lead into this next question here. I mean, we'll talk about the Pats if we're talking about Brady. Yeah. I put this in because I thought you would yell at me, honestly. I mean. Nah, no. So ask it, ask it. Are the Pats better without Tom Brady? No, they're not. Um, I will lead into our – What? Who won? Yeah, also, also Tom, oh. Brady, Tom Brady played against, this, against the Saints and, you know, the Patriots played against the Dolphins. Um, yeah. I thought Cam looked good yesterday. You know, Cam they, looked really good. They, they, they didn't put him in any situations where it was like, you will not be able to succeed here, right? They used him in a lot of designed runs that I liked. You know, a lot of room for improvement, and the uh, offense did get a lot of chances because the defense just completely shut down. The thing the you got to remember too, though, is like the Dolphins' defense is not bad. 
The Dolphins are yeah. bad, but their defense is definitely like the better half of their team. And I mean, look, you know what you're going to get from Ryan Fitzpatrick until Tungo Vailoa takes over. You're not getting what this team actually One 16, has. You'll get like three picks, and then week 17, you'll get. I don't even know who their receivers are either. Like, they lost like half the receivers. I still got Devontae Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Your boy in fantasy every Dude, year. I have drafted Devontae Parker like four <laughs> different times in fantasy, except for last year when he was actually good. But I got him, I'm in three. I forget. I think I have him in our main league this year. Hmm. I haven't, I, but these are in two of the same leagues. I forget which league I have them in, but I've got them again this year and we'll see what happens. Um, I, you know, like you talked about with Kyler Murray, uh, you know, getting tackled one time on his runs. Um, I think it was 15 runs from Cam Newton and 14 of them ended in some sort of hit, right? Like it's not, that's, it's that's not Cam sustainable. Newton. It's Cam Newton. I mean, actually, but- you're going to get a kick out of this. Watching the Pats game, do you know what their offensive like style, their offensive game plan kind of reminded me of a game that you and I are intimately familiar with? The last football game you and I called together, or not the last football game? What's the last game we did together? Cortica. Literally, it reminded me of. That's not the last game we did. It's not the last. I said second to last. The way they just ran like midline read option like, twenty uh-huh. times literally reminded me of the way Ithaca played against Cortland. Like run the ball it's not sexy it's not like crazy big plays but like if you're picking up five six seven a game uh, bleh, five six seven yards of play <laughs> like it works eventually yeah. I mean, you've got a guy like cam newton who's built like a goddamn linebacker mm-hmm. like he, he's built to take those type of hits yeah i think the rpos are going to be huge for him too um especially if you're going to you know push out james white into kind of a more receiver role because you're going to stack the box and sony michelle has been underwhelming as a runner he did have a touchdown yesterday but it was a short lo- a short uh, goal line attempt yep. um you're gonna they're gonna stack the box against cam newton because you know and the big test comes uh sunday night football against the seahawks who absolutely yeah. demolished uh the falcons like you know, looking like an MVP, man. Yeah, it's is it sustainable? And you know, what can you do on an offense? You're gonna have, you're gonna make Cam beat you through the air. Yeah. Um, they, again, they're playing the Dolphins. The Pats yeah. were in complete control of the game. Like, mm-hmm. so, like you said, Saturday Night Football. Let's see what happens when the Pats go up against a much better team. Yeah, let's just give a couple of quick thoughts because we've obviously gone over our time limit that we set for the NFL. No way. Um, no way. For the last couple of games. Uh, Detroit, no Darius Slayton. Uh, Akuda didn't play yesterday. They lost three uh, defensive players. Uh, Jamie Collins got ejected. But that was so let, dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah, that it was, was awful. So <laughs> they still let, they still let uh, Chicago and Mitch Trubisky come back and throw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which is ridiculous. Fourth quarter um, Mitch, baby. Everyone knows Mitch Trubisky in the fourth quarter is just a, a different animal. Money Mitch. Um, Vegas and Carolina, got anything to say about that? Josh Jacobs. <laughs> three yeah. touchdowns. Really good. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs also really impressed me. I, yeah. I, really thought, I liked how they, they used them as a lot more than just like a burner, just running goes down the field. Like they worked uh-huh. together involved, which I think yeah. you have to. Um, Carolina and uh, Vegas, my takeaway, uh, they had like a fourth and one, uh, basically a game deciding one did Carolina and they didn't go to Christian McCaffrey. They were lined up in the eye and they decided to do a fullback handoff. Bold I mean, you got you to you go to that rule here and there, but yeah, give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Come on. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bill's Jets. Jets might be the worst team in the league. Um, Sam Darnold, I'm not ready to give up on him, but he needs to I was getting into it with one of my friends from back home on Facebook. They start showing it eventually, right? Like, Darnold is young. We get it. Like, he's 23 years old. Young guy. Has not shown much of anything. Like, yeah, his numbers, like... And he has no offense around him. He has no one around him. And, like, similar to Saquon last year, it's like, yeah, Sam Darnold came back from mono at some point, but, like, he clearly wasn't all the way back. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, we've got Jack Powers in the, the Instagram oh, that's live. Game, Jack, don't worry. I, we're talking about the Browns. I, I, I texted Josh just <laughs> I wanted to get. I thought you were still talking about the Jets offense talking about the Browns. Nice, nice, hey. nice, nice. Hey, oh. uh, let me just get my last point on, uh, on the Bills before you really start getting into your, uh, mm-hmm. your detailed breakdown on the Browns. Um, I thought <laughs> I Jack, Josh Allen looked really good yesterday, but a concern was, you know, his deep ball accuracy and, you know, holding on to the ball. Uh, he had two fumbles yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but he did play against a bad team. Um, I, still, I still like the Bills to win the division. I'll ask you this. Who are you higher on right now, Sam Darnold or Josh Allen? Josh Allen. He's shown more. He's shown exactly. more. That's, that's the point I was trying to get to. Like, people yeah. talk about Darnold as, like, the best of that class. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen is, like, consistently improved mm-hmm. year after year. In the, yeah, he's going into year three. We're only talking two years of improvement. But, like, he's improved week after week, year after year. Like, that's all you can ask for out of a quarterback. He's still got issues. It's like, I feel like sometimes we hold rookie quarterbacks to such absurd, like, heights. And you say, like, oh, you're a first-round rookie quarterback. Like, if you're not – a top five quarterback in the league in the next three years, you're trash. Like yep. there are flawed quarterbacks who are still very good in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk Browns real quick. There's yeah. not a whole lot to really talk about. I mean, did anyone expect the Browns to come out and beat the Ravens in Baltimore week one? No. Did you expect them to get absolutely demolished like that? I mean, that's, a, that's still got to be concerning. I mean, what, what our, our resident Browns insider, Joshua Hayden said to me, <laughs> Was it kind of looked like Freddie just Kitchens, our, our roommate in college? Our good friend Josh was a Browns fan. Uh, Jack, okay, yeah, Jack thought they were going to come out week one and beat the Ravens. Right, okay. I, he said it looked like Freddie Kitchens just in terms of, like, the complete incompetence. I mean, Odell played like crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally never going to get it's old. never getting old. <laughs> uh, fumbles, missed field goals, the fake punt on their own 25. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh brought – I was watching the games with Josh yesterday. I forgot about this. The Ravens were the best special teams unit in the league last year. Uh-huh. Like, why? I, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I can, like, tell you, like, the intricate numbers about, like, when special teams plays work. Like, when a fake punt is, like, more likely to work. I have no clue. It all looks like a crapshoot to me. But, like, on your own 25 against the team, that was the best special teams unit in the league last year. Like, really? That's when you decide to pull out the fake? Bold move, Cotton. It's disappointing. Like, Sounds like a Browns soundboard. Sc- what, the Browns scored less than 10 points yesterday? Yep. Um, you know, against a good Ravens defense, I get it. A good Ravens but, defense that, like, is probably only going to be better than they were last year. Yeah, but, like, you look at the weapons on offense. Like, the Browns want to win games, and if you look at it just talent-wise and the personnel, they're going to win games with their offense, right? Baker Mayfield is not a bad quarterback. He has shown not look fl- good yesterday. He, he has shown, he's shown flashes of being a good quarterback, and you certainly think the potential is there if we want to talk about not giving up on a young quarterback. They have potentially a top five running back in the league in Nick Chubb. They have a good receiving core on paper in Odell and Jarvis Landry. Um, David Njoku got hurt yesterday. Njoku got a touchdown, though. Yeah. Austin Hooper um, is, you know, a good receiver. Like, Kareem Hunt is is probably the best, like, second option for a running back in the league. I think I I worry a little bit, both real football-wise and fantasy-wise, with – Kareem and Nick Chubb sharing the backfield. I wonder if like they both kind of take away from each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're both good. I mean, like Nick Chubb led the league in rushing last year, but Kareem Hunt also missed half the season. Yeah, and like I can see a situation in which they're both. They, it really turns into a, a committee type of situation, and like Nick Chubb isn't able to really get like rolling the way he was last year, and Kareem Hunt takes a lot of touches from him, and you're looking at much more of a split, which I think could really hurt the Browns. Yeah, 
I mean, it, like, he should be getting at least 75% of the carries. Like, he should be dominating. He should be, right? but then are you only giving Kareem Hunt 25% of the touches? Well, that's the problem is that you come out and you sign Kareem Hunt to a two-year deal and you don't give Nick Chubb a new deal. Like, what does that say? They're just like, yeah, we don't really. Brown's going to Browns, baby. Brown's going to Browns. Uh, Monday Night Football. Um, you know, we, we previewed it last week, um, so we won't get too much into it now. Uh, Pittsburgh and the Giants. Ben, I'll let you take the lead here. Giants a six-point underdog. What do you feel? I think the Giants are going to get smoked. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I think the Giants are going to get absolutely smoked. Oh, man, that is um, not what you want to hear. I don't have a lot of faith in the Giants' offense to come out week one, no preseason, against the Steelers and be, like, anything more than bad, honestly. <laughs> like, I'd imagine the game plan is going to be give the ball to Saquon, give the ball to Saquon, give the ball to Saquon. But, like, the Steelers were a top-five defense in the league last year and returned all their key players. Yeah. Like in what world? I mean, like, yeah, you know, you, sometimes that type of stat can be a little, it can, there's a lot of fluctuation there. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I just don't see how a young Giants offense who hasn't had a whole lot of time together, has had virtually no time together, is going to come out and do much of anything, frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, an interesting point, and we've really just been hammering this in. Is the only thing seemingly we've been talking about is with no preseason and, you know, not the usual uh off season that you have you want a team that returned most of its pieces and has a veteran presence and you know a, a, a super bowl winning uh head coach and quarterback uh and tomlin and roethlisberger coming back and you have weapons there and you know the defense returned basically all of their pieces that's something you want and I, also I, I didn't, even, didn't even mention that's joe judge's first career game as a head yeah. coach like, I'm really interested to see if like jump to go from special yeah. teams coordinator to head coach like i'm really interested to see um what he comes out with if he's just like a good Twitter quarterback or an actual quarterback. Um, I mean, it's like it, 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 Joe Judge. Yeah. What? what? Yeah, no, because all the all like the awesome I, clips on Twitter is like, oh, he's such a cool quarterback. A quarterback. Cool, what are you cool, saying? Cool head coach. I'm saying like, cool head coach. What? There's been just like a Twitter cult following of him with all the videos that he's all the videos that have been posted of him. Yeah, I mean, we have we have a minute and a half left on the IG live. Um, Real quick, give me your pick for Den- uh, Tennessee and Denver. Uh, Titans, Derrick Henry is going to have 152 tutties. Tutties? Not even yards, just tutties? 150 yards. Oh, two, two tutties. Touchdowns. Okay. Gotcha. Have you ever like, heard of the NFL stat line before? Yes, I have. You just slurred all your words, so that's why. Um, need I also remind you, Derrick Henry had like 25 yards against Denver um, last week. I think Denver's way overhyped, personally. Mm, you'll know Von Miller. We'll see how they respond. All right, Ben. Uh, enough NFL. We got all our reactions in. Oh, NBA yeah. time. NBA. First of all, I'll say, why the hell did the Clippers play yesterday at 1 p.m. when it was their only game? Yeah. Opening week of the NFL. Um, but of actual news to get to, we got series preview. We got a game seven coming up. But we're going to start with Dan Tony out in Houston. Uh, Tillman Fertitta said, Fertitta, um, said that. Uh, said that <laughs> wow. Oh, and my God. <laughs> he always said – him and Maury had always said, uh, you know, it's kind of up to D'Antoni if he wants to come back. And D'Antoni said he's not coming back, which yeah. I don't think we should be surprised about. Well, that's, and I also don't think is a bad move. You took the I mean, words right out of my mouth. I'm not terribly surprised that D'Antoni is leaving. I mean, look, they've – we have, what, four seasons there? Five? Uh, four or five? Four. No, it was four seasons. They tr- tried it four different times. The same system, the same style of play, switched out a couple pieces here and there, got Capella out of there, brought Westbrook in. Yeah, they really went, like, all chips to the middle of the table. Exactly. 
and it didn't work. <laughs> like at a certain, it point, failed badly. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. The Clippers tried, or the Clippers, the Rockets tried it four different times with D'Antoni and Harden, and never got past the conference finals. I mean, not, not that's a bad thing, but like mm-hmm. repeatedly, the Rockets themselves said they were act, they're title contenders, and like I would consider them title contenders, honestly. I don't think that's a, a scalding hot take. See, I think I don't think they are. I think their ceiling is that. Okay, fair. Their ceiling is a title contender, and with a player like Harden, it's just so tough to say because the whole narrative. I mean, like James Harden is one of the best offensive players we've ever seen in the NBA. Probably one of the best players we ever will see in the NBA. And like as much as I personally don't enjoy his style of play and don't really enjoy watch, I and mean, like I enjoy watching great playoff basketball. Like personally, if I'm watching a, like any NBA game, I don't really want to watch a Rockets game because of James Harden. Mm-hmm. But like at a certain point, you've got to realize that the system's not working and no knock on D'Antoni necessarily, but you got to try something different. You got to yeah, switch it up. I mean, look, the, I found myself asking this. I'm sure it's the same for you is after they had lost last season, we were like, was that it? I mean, it, it's a pretty good stage to reach. And obviously it's disappointing when you have a generational player or an all time player, even like James Harden, you're like, Call James Harden, all time player. Yeah. yeah. And you say he never made a finals. Um, you know, that's disappointing. But, you know, taking the Warriors to multiple game sevens, especially with no Chris Paul, like, that is nothing to shake your head at. Like, that, nothing to they, shake your head at, but, like, it's disappointing. They, it they, goes they both ways. Like, you, I, I don't want to bash the Rockets for losing to, like, the God-tier Warriors. That's play. what like, I'm saying, yeah. But I can bash the hell out of the, the Rockets for shooting 0 for 27 from deep yeah. in a game seven at home. Like, uh-huh. And they were, one, they were one Chris Paul hamstring away from maybe making it that year, too. You never want to chalk it up to injuries, but yeah. like that's just factual. Like You, you can't yeah. ignore that. It's, like it's, it's a tough mix if you're a Rockets fan of, like, did they go up against the best team you and I will probably ever see basketball? Yeah, they did. Or maybe the best team of all time. Like, maybe. I, the, I, that's a debate for another show, but are the 73-9 Warriors better than the 72-10 Bulls? Well, no, because debate they for another were- show. Debate for another yeah. show. The Rockets hurt themselves ultimately. Like yeah. they could, at the end of the day, they couldn't get past the conference semis this year. Like, it's an ugly look, man. I mean, if we want to talk about, I don't want to spend too much time on D'Antoni because there's not really a whole lot to say here until some more kind of rumors break. Who replaces him? I you you wrote Ty Lue. I don't know about that. I've seen Ty Lue a lot more connected to the Philly job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think D'Antoni now the front is the front runner for the Philly job. Like, I think, I think that would be interesting in Philadelphia. I think he'd have a stroke because he has someone over six <laughs> yeah. on his team. But I think it's interesting. Like, D'Antoni has been an offensive pioneer his entire career. Oh, I'd be sure. really – I'd love to see what he would do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Trade be, one of them. What? Trade one of them. I think he would try it, obviously. And um, I will die on this hill that the Sixers need to trade one of them. I know you're going to die. You've already died on that hill. Um. But is that a death threat? That, that, that Houston job becomes interesting now because they have the talent to, you know, make a conference finals. Or like we said, they have a ceiling of being a contender. But you have, you know, all your money is locked up. You don't have future assets. You don't have young players that you can dangle for teams to take on bad oh, money. you've got nothing. Like you're, you're, yeah, the, Daniel the House is your most tradable pay, player. Like, and Daniel House is, you know, is decent three-point shooter, not a, like, not a – liability defensively and he's on a but very Daniel, Daniel house isn't bringing you back like a true game-changing piece no he could be a solid role player on a contender but like that's well that's why I'm saying that is the only young piece they have no, I, I'm agreeing I'm saying Daniel yeah. I'm not like this I'm saying okay yeah you trade Daniel house what are you going to get back 
Yeah. Another not Daniel much type of player. Like but you get like maybe a draft pick that you can eventually trade away. But do the Rockets? The Rockets shouldn't be looking at draft picks right now. Mm-hmm. I saw or, an interesting trade, which is like. I'll preface it by saying, yeah. Let's, like, let's discuss. Is this like a, a realistic trade, or is this some like? No, it's not. Topic? It's not realistic. But it was just like, I'll start with you know the lead of the story being there are some you know there are really bad ideas that you should never do, and there are ideas that are so bad that you have to do it just to see how it turns out. And it was a I've straight. Got a few of those. It was a straight swap between Blake Griffin and Russell Westbrook. That's, that's why I had to preface it with that. I'm like, is this punk? Like, what's happening here? Well, it's the only team, you know, uh, the Rockets would actually, you know, take away like $4 million from cap space, which they desperately need. But and then do you, are, that, I guess you play Blake like strictly at the five in that scenario. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he can shoot from three. And he gives you, I mean, he's a good playmaker for yeah. a big at least. I mean, it doesn't have the athleticism, but. Not anymore, but Blake Griffin, just, tons of credit to Blake Griffin, has absolutely, like, figured out how to play without being yeah. just a little jump-out-the-gym guy. I didn't think he would, really. Blake Griffin also dropped arguably the easiest 40-piece you and I have ever seen in person. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to see his, like, revenge game against the Clippers. Yeah, his first game back with the Clippers, and literally, like, or we, and we were there with friends. Like, we were both, like, violently hungover, I'm pretty sure, going to the game. Like, I, what not, do you mean, I'm pretty sure? Do you remember what happened the night before? That was my infamous night where I – Hopped the fence like a first weekend. In the- oh my god! Was that really that same weekend? That was that same weekend. Wow! Oh I my have god! Like, I, I, I'm I surprised like you aired that out on the show. I mean, I'll go all into that story if you really want to go there. No, I don't want to tell the whole like. I I tripped a bunch of. I I'm pretty good at holding down my liquor. Um, I wasn't that night. Not I, that night. I that slept was- in the bathroom that night. Um, I slipped in the mud and just completely smeared mud all over. Yeah, mud. I remember waking up the next morning and there was just like muddy hand tracks oh, across our wall. I'm like, how on earth did these get here? I, I was so hungover. I didn't enjoy a basketball game. No, I, was but at. I remember we just looked up in the third quarter and Blake had like 36. And we were, yeah, like, we're like, what? Like, um, I, my let's, biggest, let's wrap up this Dan yeah, Tony talk. My, my biggest takeaway from this. And we, I think we discussed this with the Pacers a couple episodes ago is you know, you have some injuries, you know, I have a big injury, just a bonus. It's like, do you run it back? Or the same thing we talked about with Philly mostly. It's right, you know, the yeah. injury to Simmons. Do you run it back because of injuries? I think no. Like, I don't see the Rockets realistically being able to get, like, you, like give Westbrook away. But that – here's the thing. You wow. Give so, you them, think the, so you think the Rockets are, like, done as a contender? I think they are. Like, and you got to acknowledge, too, wow. that – got to acknowledge that Westbrook was coming off a quad injury. He had COVID. Right, like yeah. these are these are big factors, but you have no pieces to trade away. You know, you have no draft picks to trade away. You have no assets like that, and you know, D'Antoni and Harden have both showed that they don't want to move off ball, which is so surprising because that's what Westbrook. made James Harden so good. No, Harden move off ball. He's deadly moving. Yeah, yeah. He was deadly moving off ball in OKC, and you know, but Westbrook, also like Westbrook is. Best. I see that He's point a lot. Like you can't compare. Houston Rockets, no. James Harden, OKC, okay, James Harden. I know, but if you've ever watched James Harden play, is as soon as he gives up the ball, when there's a double team or there's a trap coming, which the Lakers, you know, give credit, they did a great job of doing, he's out of the play, and they have him like 10 feet away from the three-point line because they want to create four on fours, but wouldn't you want your best player getting back involved? That's the big difference. Yeah. You know, you know, multitude of differences, obviously, and I got to say that because I know you're just going to laugh, between someone like Steph Curry I'd literally and John Wall. I, like Steph Curry and someone like John Wall, but Steph Curry moves so I think, well. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, no, okay. How on earth that's did John why, Wall come into the conversation? What does John Wall have to do with this? Because, because, 
because John, John, Wall, like, what John you- Wall's not a good John Wall's not a good three point shooter, right? But he also just adds no value off ball or after gives the rock up. And that's the thing. Steph Curry passes the ball and immediately starts moving. James Harden literally is a non-factor as soon as he gives it up. You have someone like Russell Westbrook who doesn't move around. Oh, my God. You, there's nothing there. So I thought, like, I think the Rockets' window is closed. I think they're done. I so think they've reached their peak already. I agree with you. Maybe not for the exact same reasons, and I'm also just baffled you really brought John Wall. And coming from, like, a guy – I used to say this, like, all the time. John Wall, for a minute, was, like, my favorite player to watch in the NBA. He was so much fun. He was awesome. Never did anything, but, like, I yeah. love John Wall. Uh, let's, have, talk, also let's talk some actual basketball here. Yeah. Also okay. have make to make your last point. Also, I have to add, too, that, you know, you, 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 it's like a failed opportunity. Some Rockets optimists can see this as. But you got to remember that you gave up Chris Paul and a lot of assets to get a worse player on a worse contract who is slightly younger but has worse injury history. Westbrook's had a lot of knee issues before. Um, yes. All right, let's yeah. talk a little uh, game seven. We got another game seven. How the baby. hell did we get here? Dude, like I'm still riding. I'm still rocking the Clippers for the title. Like I, I literally the only, thing that will, the only thing that will change my mind is they lose tomorrow. Like I, as long as the Clippers are in the playoffs, I think they're winning the title. I think they're too deep, and hopefully for like my own sanity and my pride in picking them to win the title, they see this series against the Clippers. Like you thought it was scary against Dallas, yeah. you see the series against the Nuggets as like a slap in the face. Yeah, and it's like it, literally after Game Four, I was like, all right, the series is it's over. Yep. All said and done. The Clippers figured out that they're the best team in the NBA. They can figure out how to play like it. And then the After beginning game of five, game five, they looked good. Beginning of game yeah. six, they looked really – or beginning of game five, the yep. first elimination game for the Nuggets, the Clippers were smoking them. Mm-hmm. Like playing with the intensity and the effort, like champion, as cliche as saying as it is, like championship-level effort and execution, yep. which we hadn't really seen from them all postseason long. Yep. And then like no disrespect or to the Nuggets. at least in spurts. And spark. We haven't seen it as consistently as we did like the first half, first like two and a half quarters of game five. Yeah. And like no disrespect to the Nuggets. Nuggets are a really good team, but like there is no way they should have taken this to seven games. The Clippers should not have allowed this to go to seven games. It should have been over in five. Kawhi Leonard is the best postseason performer the NBA has seen in the last four years. Like pretty inarguable point there. You look at his numbers in the postseason, it's like – 35, 7, and 5 on, like, 60% shooting, 41%, I think, from deep. Also, like, the best defensive player in the league. Like, you're not – no one's topping those numbers consistently. No one is doing better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just, like, it's the type of thing where, like, I'm, do, I'm doing the research for the, the rundown, and I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, like, okay, like, if I'm, like – if I'm trying to, like, convince myself of the Nuggets winning the series, how do they do it? The, literally the best explanation I can come up with is that the Clippers are just completely playing down to their level of competition. Yeah, they are. And also, you know, I think the last two losses, um, if you're asking, do you blame this on Doc too? Because he is not, you know, free of any criticism. Um, no, I, I, it's, do you blame Doc? As beloved as Doc team? Rivers is in the NBA, dude's got one chip. Like He's got one chip, and he has been known to blow 3-1 leads before. He did it with the – did it with the Chris Paul Clippers, the Lob City Clippers. Like, Harrell's played really bad this whole yeah. series. He's a minus 60 total, and I know he's – As noisy as plus minus is. Yeah. Like, small sample size and everything. But, like, Zubats, the thing with him, he's a, he was a plus nine yesterday, I think. But you can't play him, like, 35 minutes because he's good defensively, but he, he's a non-factor offensively. I think he took three shots, which you don't yeah. need – you don't need him to be – but, like, 
obviously he's got to sit at some points and he's you know over seven feet like it's, it's kind of like what we were Kyle's talking about been killing them it's like we were talking about with the buck series where it's like it's there's a reason you and i aren't nba head coaches it's like it's really difficult to find that line between like all right we were one of the best teams in the nba this entire season like i don't want to throw everything out the window and like try to free ball too much and like just completely fall on your face and look bad but like you also got to look at the numbers and be like all right, yeah, plus minus isn't a perfect stat. Like it is – plus minus for – I like plus minus for a lineup a lot better than I like plus minus for a single yeah. player. Minus 60? Yeah. Like you can't get any fucking lower than that. Yeah. Like, that's abysmal. I mean, you can. You can. Yeah, you, you okay, probably will. You can. Yeah. But like that's miserable for a single yeah. player in Montrezl Harrell. And like Harrell was such a big piece for them in the regular season and just like uh-huh. such a fun player to watch. Too. Just like your, your classic like, you know, cleaner guy, energy big, like who's yeah. not – Nothing like he's not the most skilled player you've ever seen, but like he makes it work by just going 120 yeah. percent the entire time he's on the floor. He's not getting it done at all. Well, he's kind of shown the you know right now he kind of just looks like a big a backup big that can eat a lot of minutes in the regular season, and then when coaches have more time to plan, he's toast because you know what the Nuggets are doing is not rocket science. They're, they're running pick and pops a lot of times with Jokic, and he did shoot four from six from three. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's but it's better. not like Jokic is a bad yeah, three-point shooter. he's not a bad three-point shooter, but that is shooting above his capabilities. It's shooting above his capability, but, like, they were open threes. Like, yeah. I've, not the, not the, all of them were open, but the problem is, like, you got to play Lou Will and you got to play Terrell, It's not open, but, like, Jokic isn't jacking threes with a dude in his face, like, unless it's the end of the shot clock. Like, he's not yeah. – and you, I obviously you've watched Jokic play. Like, yeah. yeah, he takes some bad shots, but like most of the shots Jokic takes, if they're not like wide open, they're like clean looks with the guy closing yeah. out on him. But when you're seven foot tall and you shoot the ball up over your head like this, like, yeah, you got, not... got that wide arc, like yeah, exactly, like um, Lou Will and Harrell are just getting killed defensively, and you know, and you knew Lou Will was just, gonna get killed. Like, yeah, like, that's just that's just that's kind of less, the defense. That's experience. less concerning for me because, like, you're, you, yeah. if you're you're not playing Lou Will for his defense, this is what 16 seasons in the league. Like, yeah, and you're you not never putting Lou Will on the floor to be a perimeter stopper. Yeah. Harrell during the regular season was one of the Clippers' better defensive players. Yeah, like, like yeah, he gets to hide behind PG and Kawhi on uh-huh. the wing, but like you weren't concerned with Montrezl Harrell's defense in the regular yeah. season the way you are now. Well, the thing is, like. You know, they're not getting that extra offense. And you know, Paul George and Kawhi should be enough. They're both really good defensively. Kawhi and, should be enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then you get, you know, like Patrick Beverly, I think scored two points last night. I think he scored in double digits once this series. And you're not putting him out there for his offense. I get it. But at least if you have Lou Will out there, you can hide him. But if you're running with, you know, in that third quarter when the Nuggets started taking over and the, they played good defense, but the Clippers missed a lot of open shots. Uh, and I'll get to I'll get to that in a second. But you have lineups out there of like Jamichael Green, Lou Will, um, Landry Shamit, I think Paul George, and then Harold. That is this that's 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 sliced cheese. I think that's Swiss what's cheese. Sw- Swiss, sliced sliced cheese. Nice. That's that's Swiss cheese. That's <laughs> Swiss cheese on, on defense. Cheese? Uh, you can. I, I'm that's... saying is is it sliced Swiss cheese? Is that what you're calling? No, it? that's just Swiss cheese. Um but like that's not a good it? defensive lineup, obviously. No. Um like they're just getting killed in those minutes and you got to rest Kawhi and Paul George at some point. I mean, I still, coming from the guy who's tearing Mike Budenholzer apart for only for not playing Middleton and Giannis 40 plus. Right. I'm saying, rest them, I'm saying rest them two minutes a quarter. Like, I don't think you even rest them two minutes. I think you rest them two minutes the whole game. Oh, you got to stagger them a little bit too. Like I don't, I, it's a game seven with a shot at the conference finals on the line. Yeah. Like I, if, and you need to remind you, the Clippers are like, oh, and 15 in like games to reach the conference finals. 
if Kawhi and PG both don't play like 43 plus tomorrow night, I'd be floored. Yeah. You, it's a game like, what, what are you saving them for? You want to, you want to manage their minutes all season long to not play them 44 minutes on a game seven to go to the conference finals. Yeah. I dude, I'm, I'm starting to waver on the Clippers. I'm not going to lie to you. Cause the big thing I took away from that game yesterday and you know, back to back wins, comeback wins for the nuggets, staving elimination down by double digits in the second half. And the biggest thing from last game, and I was rewatching the second half, was the Clippers got punched in the mouth and they didn't respond. No. That's, that's the thing is that you got to be able to adapt in the playoffs and you got to be able to respond, right? Like the Celtics lost two straight against the Raptors. Sears got tied up against them and they didn't. After looking like the Celtics were going to yeah. run away with it. And they didn't cower away. Like they stood in there and they ended up taking the series in seven. And that also, was one of the impressive seven. things about that Celtics series, like, the Clippers have a ton of experience. Like they're they're not an old team, but like they're deep with a lot of veterans. Boston's young. Yeah. Like Boston's a really young team who don't you know they're leaning on guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who are what's Tatum? Twenty three. Brown's yeah. like twenty five. Was already was it conference finals where they lost in Game Seven to LeBron in the Cavs? Yeah. A couple years ago. Yep. So they have the experience going pretty far. Yeah, the experience, but not the same way. You, not where you've got like a Kawhi, a PG, a Pat. No, Nevel, they don't have Nevel, championship like, caliber. I don't no. think they have anyone on their team that's won a championship. No, I, no. I, I off the top of my head, I don't think they do. Unless Kemp, you know, some, see, Kemba's new. We'll get. We'll really break down the Celtics Raptors in a second. So let's leave it for that. Yeah. Um, no, do you like? I, I still like the Clippers to win Game Seven. I like Kawhi may having like a legacy making like game. 45. Like yeah. He 45, is, 12, eight, like the type of game where like you look like, back on it in years and you're like, God damn, like Kawhi game seven of the conference semis in 2020. Like, wow. Have you ever looked up Kawhi's numbers in game seven against Philly last season when he hit the shot? Not recently. No. He shot like 40% from the field on like 35 attempts or something like something huh. absurd. Like, yeah. He had the one shot that counted. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy <laughs> how it's, but it, I, but I, I feel like that's also it. a classic game seven line. Like you're not in a yeah. game seven. It is absolutely throw them up. Yeah. Absolutely. Put them up. Like you're yeah. Kawhi Leonard. You're the best player in the series. Take as many damn shots as you want. Like, yeah. I, it's, it's also, just I crazy like that plays into a classic game seven. Like game sevens are sloppy. Yeah. Look at the game seven between the nuggets and the jazz Donovan Mitchell and uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Wow. <laughs> ugly performances like yeah so bad for both of them because it's just a sloppy game it looked like a game out of the 80s yeah i that's the th- i love game sevens because it's like you know obviously you still have strategy and all that but everything goes out the window it's just dog versus dog who's going to come out on top last point on this before we get into celtics raptors the nuggets are five and zero in elimination in elimination games this postseason they would become the first team ever to come back mm-hmm. from multiple 3-1 deficits in the postseason they're the nationals from last year's mlb playoffs not what I was going to say, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? I was just going to say, one? like, as, a, as an NBA fan, like, it would be so cool if the Nuggets that won. Like, awesome. as, my own pride wants the Clippers to win, but, like, just as, like, a strictly basketball fan, it would be so cool if Denver yeah. got to the conference finals like this. Mm-hmm. I also I, – I said I thought they were going to get smoked by the Clippers. I think they would also get smoked by the Lakers. But, I mean, sometimes the te- a team's just got it. I, I think a really nice matchup in the, in the finals would be Celtics-Clippers. I think they match up really that well together. Fun. That would be a lot of fun. But we have a really fun Eastern Conference matchup as well between the Celtics and the Heat. My biggest thing from this, just right off the bat, is we have been so blessed with just being able to geek out on, you know, like head coaching, uh, you know, rotations and adjustments. 
we were spoiled last round because, you know, we were kind of got that taken away because Spolstra has completely outcoached Bud. And yeah. then in the other, in the <laughs> other one, yeah. And then the other one, you had two top five coaches going at it in Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens. And now you have another one of those matchups in Spo and Brad Stevens going at it here. And I think these two teams match up really interestingly. I mean, when I was doing my reading for the series, trying to like figure things out, I personally don't like when a website like ESPN or CBS sports or whatever does like, you know, like playoff picks and like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a crapshoot. Like yep. obviously these are smart people, smart writers who know what they're talking about, but it's like, at the end of the day, everyone's kind of guessing. Everyone's kind of trying to figure it out. Like, I was looking at the ESPN expert picks. Yeah. 11 said Miami, 10 said Boston, and everyone said it was six or seven games. Like, we are in for a treat this series. Uh, it's, it's nothing. Just, it's just, there's so many interesting, like, stylistic conflicts between these two yeah. teams. Like, they're not built similarly at all. Boston's about their wing depth. Miami's about their guards. Like, I neither team really has a traditional big. I mean, Boston's got Tice. Like, I don't even know if you could say forward. Miami's about their guards. Like Jimmy Butler's the best player, and he's he's a forward. Like Guard second best player is Bam Adebayo. He's their center. I Dragic, non-hero Robinson. Like yeah, I mean, I honestly I would be surprised if none plays more than five minutes a game in this series, just because you know one of the disadvantages that Miami's going to have in this series because Miami's played decently defensively. They haven't been bad in the bubble. Um, and, you know, a lot of the season they didn't have Iggy um, in there. And Jay Crowder's played fantastic. But, like, you know, the point – This honestly seems that, to me like a classic series for Andre – for, like, literally like a 2015 Iggy where, like, you, know, you can't play Iggy. You can't start him anymore. Like, you can't really keep him on the floor for a ton. Like, this would be a classic series for a veteran like Andre Iguodala to come in, play 22 minutes a night, but yeah. just be the piece. And yeah, I mean, that we saw him do in Golden State every year. Well, I think, you know, Jay Crowder is probably going to start off on um, – Jay Crowder is probably going to start on Jason Tatum, I think. And I would yeah. think that Jimmy Butler is going to start on Jalen Brown. Um, I'm interested to see what they do defensively on Kemba Walker. Um, well, that's going to be the or issue. If they put, or if they put Jimmy Butler on Kemba Walker. Because we saw last series – you know, what happens when you put one of your best defenders or if you go box and one and you really revolve the whole offense around stopping Kemba Walker? Jason Tatum got his home. But the, the Celtics but are no too means, good to do that, though. Yeah, you can't play no box means, and one against the Celtics. By no means did, um, by no means did, the, uh, did the Celtics, you know, not come out. I, I meant to say that by no means did Jason Tatum have an efficient series. I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, but like, and you say you can't play box and one against the Celtics, right? But we talked about this last. Uh, the Celtics have too many guys to attack one on ones to yes, play that though. Yes, but they also have very good three point shooting. And what did we talk about last show? Is that they had like an eighty five offensive rating against the Raptors when they played zone, and the Raptors played you know a heavy chunk of zone especially in that game seven like, relatively speaking yeah Miami played the most zone out of any team during the regular Although season has not played zone once in the bubble literally has not yeah. played a single possession of zone in the playoffs uh-huh. well when you get a good individual uh defender in Iggy it makes it interesting I just want to like say, he's the heat's only good yeah. individual defender like I think I think the Celtics will probably start out putting Kemba on Bam Bam is not a threat to score from outside and he's not going to shoot from I think that's either. a disaster I think that's an absolute think, disaster waiting to happen. Well, the, the thing that's going to be like one through five can shoot for the Celtics in their starting lineup. Tice isn't a good shooter, but he can, he can shoot. Threes. But he can shoot. And yeah. especially if he's hitting his threes, like, ugh, watch out. Sure. Um, 
But, you know, Miami starting lineup, you have a non-shooter in Adebayo and you have a basically non-shooter in Non-shooter in Adebayo, but a guy who's like so mobile and so athletic. Yeah. I mean, I've said it numerous times. Adebayo is like the what I say? He said numbers. Numberist. Let's go. Someone well, you got to be the guy that can talk. I got to be the one that trips up on my horse. So, like, Adebayo is too quick and too athletic to put Kemba on. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I, one of the keys to the series, I don't know if you were waiting to, like, save it till the very end of the show, but I feel like oh, we're talking about it. Let's just jump around. Come on. Yeah. Like, I think one of the keys for Miami is you got to get Adebayo moving like a 2016 Draymond Green where, yeah. look, Boston plays a much more aggressive style of defense than Milwaukee did. Mm-hmm. Boston's going to not necessarily W, but they're going to blitz the pick and roll. They're going to try to trap you when you can. Mm-hmm. If Miami's guards can get the ball to Adebayo, like at the stripe moving downhill and he can make the right plays, which we know for a fact he can, mm-hmm. that's going to be a disaster for Boston because they're going to be in scramble mode. And Miami has more than enough shooters to punish them like that. Yeah. And you know, it's, that's a problem. You got to like, for the Celtics, you can't have defensive lapses. Like Miami made their offense on their three-point shooting and their ability to move off the ball. And Spoh's going to have them ready to do that. Celtics can switch one through five. That's a big, you know, that, that's big for them because Tice is a very good perimeter defender. He's not going to, you know, they're going to probably get killed on the boards. Although, you know, you think Adebayo's not, you know, your conventional starting five. Although, what the hell is We say We say conventional five? starting yeah. five as if that's what like is? a thing. As if we're in like 2004. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, is, what is a conventional starting five? Um, Adebayo, I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Celtics have to be on top of their game in their half court defense and they are a good half court defensive team. And something interesting too, is, you know, they faced a depleted Philly team in the first round that didn't have their best half court offense there. And, you know, a big part of their transition offense in Ben Simmons wasn't there. Um, that kind of just destroyed everything. And, um, and then in the second round, the Raptors have a pretty bad, like you can say a bad half court offense and the Celtics yeah. handled them well. This is the best offense easily they faced, you know, all playoffs. And it's not, so. and it's not you know, relatively close either. I think I mean, the match, I think it's going to be, we're going to be seeing a lot of cross matchups that are going to be interesting. I think, you know, point of attack defense, that's going to be big for Miami. They got to be able to stop people on the well, wing because the Celtics have so many people that can attack from all points um, from the wing and they have so many knockdown shooters. Jalen Brown can get going from three, two, and then you have Gordon Hayward potentially coming back. That's I mean, I I'm, not, about yet. I'm not ready to bring up Gordon Hayward as, as a factor in the series. I mean, he like just not, to practice but a me. potential. Okay. Maybe not a factor, but what about an X factor? He is the, uh, no competition. He is I, the is best. Gordon Hayward even supposed to play in the series. He might, he could come back this series. He, he is easily, back. he's easily the, the best number four option in the NBA. You have someone I mean, like that's, that's, that's like the classic like Chris Collinsworth out on Tuesdays after a rain. Like, okay, is that the number four option in the series? Like, okay, but but think about this. Like, you got the starting lineup. Like, you put say you put Adebayo on on Dice. Say they just do straight matchups, right? You have um, Dragic on uh, you have Dragic on um, on Kemba. You put either Jimmy Butler or you put. Um, you put hero. Okay, we're talking about smart. straight matchups. Is it Boston and Miami? Both don't switch everything. Okay, I get that, but you ha- again, it's just another option. Like that's what makes the Celtics offense know, so man. good. Celtics offense it makes it so I good. Just, like, Jason like- Tatum is a good playmaker. We haven't even talked about him. And Kemba Walker is a great playmaker. Gets into the teeth of the defense. But say you know one, two, and three options are having not the best nights. You have Gordon Hayward as your number four option. Like, like 
That's pretty good. You have someone who I can would say catch Marcus shoot Smart's, well I, off the three. I, 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 like, we're, but you're, I feel like you're talking about a healthy Gordon Hayward, which is not what we're getting at all. Like, if we're getting hey, a Gordon, Gordon Hayward, you can't move. Stand in the corner, knock down threes. Get Kemba Walker really slicing into the middle of the defense. Everyone has to collapse. Like, because let, let me you guys are talking about what happens if you got Gordon Hayward on the floor defensively with a bum ankle. You want him chasing Tyler Hero, need Kendrick I, need Nunn, I remind you. Robinson around the arc? Need I remind you, the Heat were in the please, bottom please half. Please remind me. Please do remind me. The heat, this is something I read. Uh, Nikias Duncan, who's a really good uh, Heat writer, um, just wrote a whole like uh, you know breakdown, uh, part one. Um, the Heat were bottom bottom ten team, I think, in the NBA in terms of rim protection. They're gonna want to collapse, and my the Celtics have the a heat perfect. Are gonna want to collapse? Yeah, they're gonna want to collapse to protect the paint. Yeah, obviously, don't want to give anything up easy in the paint. The Celtics have. Again, one through five that can shoot and one through five that can switch on defense. You got four options on the outside if Kemba gets to the teeth of the defense. And, and it almost sounds like you're saying Boston's going to smoke Miami this series. The way you're I, don't think, I don't think they're going to smoke them, but I think some of Boston's I feel like you're, just, I feel like you're completely, like, missing all the perimeter defense Miami has. Like, yeah, you've got what guys like point, Tyler Hero, Dr. Okay, you've got Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, Bam Adebayo. Like, are those not quality then, perimeter defenders? But then you have, but then you have Dragic who might be matched up with the best option that the Celtics have. I think they're going to put Jimmy Butler on him. I think they put Jimmy Butler on Kemba. I, I think Miami can switch one through five, too. You got to say that. Yeah, I mean, you're, like, you're talking about all these options Boston has as if Miami does not well, I have. I like Boston in six. That's why I'm saying all of these things. Okay, you're not talking like – you're talking like Boston in a sweep right now. No, absolutely not. I mean, Miami like, I is like, – I feel like we also need to talk about the Nuggets being so hot. Can we just acknowledge the fact that Miami just absolutely smoked yeah. the best team in the NBA in five games? Yeah. That, that's what I'm not, MVP and defensive player of the year. I'm like, not talking them down at all. I think I, the, think, I, I, I think they're the hottest team in the, in the playoffs left, personally. Yeah. Like, yeah, momentum isn't like a statistical thing. Like, there's no but real, it's like, certainly a thing. It's a real thing. Like, yeah. It's a real thing if nothing else than just your confidence level. Yeah. Like, you talk about how confident Miami is right now. Duncan Robinson is playing out of his mind. Jimmy Butler is playing the best basketball we've seen him play in the last two years, I'd say. Goran Dragic, you know, was the, the type of guy that was like barely Looks like an all-star, all-star again. Looks damn good. 20 yeah. points a game, near almost. Like, mm-hmm. I think you got to remember, too, is I think I really like the, the – if I'm thinking about, like, how Miami wins this series, mm-hmm. I think if you're Eric Spolster, you get creative and you find, why, you find ways to get, like, Daniel Tice chasing your shooters around the perimeter. Yeah. You find ways to get Robert Williams chasing your shooters around the perimeter. They, those are not guys you want, like, sprinting after Duncan Robinson on threes. And we've seen Duncan Robinson drill everything. Like, he's literally the type of shooter where he doesn't need space. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's going to be have fun, Jalen Brown or whoever the hell is matching up against him. Have fun slowing that down. Um, I'm interested to see who Marcus Smart matches up against because I don't think they'll waste him by just chasing around Duncan Robinson because this Heat offense is too good to just, you know, use your best perimeter defender to take away that. I'll probably say Kemba Walker will be on him. Um, my concern, again, when, I, when I'm talking about that point of attack that you keep just dogging me on, um, is the fact that, you know, Miami really likes using Jimmy Butler as that screener when they're on offense. And if you have, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum on them or whatever, that's a really good, you know, perimeter defender that can switch on them. I think the, the one through five switchability of both teams um, is a factor. And down in the comments on, on Instagram now too, adding is you know three days of rest a factor i think it is yes yes and no i think we got to remember that these guys are 
for the most part, like as uh-huh. fresh as you'll ever see NBA players in the playoffs. Because like yeah, we're, we're still talking too, about the layoff and everything. You got to remember too, uh, Boston did play game seven. They're probably tired, but they also had like two or three days rest too. I think the last time they played was Friday, right? Yeah, because you're getting more yeah. rest now because we're in the conference yeah. finals. They played Friday. So they have Saturday, Sunday, and then, you know, half of Monday to relax. Like, I don't think it's going to be <clears> that <throat> much of a factor. And you got to remember, too, it's not like Miami's on this rest and they also knew immediately who they were going to play. Like, I, think one, I think one thing that we're not really talking so much about in terms of the Celtics offense, like Kemba's having a good postseason. Mm-hmm. It's below, like, the standard yeah. of play we're expecting from Kemba Walker. Dude's shooting 28% from three this season. Then the bubble, like – that's an issue. I don't, I also don't trust Marcus smart to keep shooting. Like, what did he shoot the other night? Like four or five from three in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like Marcus smart for his career is not a good three point shooter. Probably his best playoff series of his career. Oh no. He's playing the best he has. And like, I do have some faith in Marcus smart to like continue that hot play. Mm-hmm. Like I see, I, okay. I'll say I've heaten seven is my pick for the series. Okay. I see a series in which Boston's Boston plays much more aggressively than Miami than Milwaukee does on defense. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. I see Spolstra, you know, who, you know, let me collect myself here. Whenever you're right. Miami has the shoot, absolutely has the shooters to punish Boston defense. Mm-hmm. If they can get Boston in chase mode and you, and they've got multiple playmakers, if they can get Boston running around and then you're kicking the ball to Robinson, Hero, Kendrick Nunn, not like Adebayo is a sniper from three, but he's perfectly capable. Goran Dragic is shooting 34%, I think, from three this season in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy Butler is the only member of the Heat starting five that really can't shoot from deep. Adebayo. He's Adebayo's better than Jimmy Butler. Shoot. He's like, Adebayo's if you leave him open, he's going to shoot. He's better well, than Jimmy Butler. Again, that, I, that was just a, the, that was why I mentioned before, kind of a concern of having two non-shooters on the floor when you have switchability one through five on the Celtic side. Because if, you know, Jim, the, the Heat like to run Jimmy Butler as the screener, but fucking take notes. Um, <laughs> if you have, you have Butler at the, as the screener, you can just switch things or you can play drop coverage on that because – you're not threatened. He's not a threatened to shoot from three. Um, you know, that's going to be a big advantage because you can kind of well, sack- if you're, I, I, What if you have – I'm just completely coming off the dome here. Yeah. Have Duncan Robinson set some screens. Have some of your shooters yeah. set screens. And if, my, if Boston wants to drop back against them, like, mm-hmm. fire away. That's the design. Well, that's that's the, know, let that type of thing happen. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're, talking, we again, can we're both, talking about two of the best coaches in the NBA and Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstro. Like, yeah. Something we can both agree with is, you know, Celtics defense has to play – you know, heads up defense all the time. Like they have to know what personnel is coming because Spolster is going to throw so many different looks at them on offense. Um, you know, kind of going off your previous point about Kemba shooting, the matchups against the Heat in the regular season, he shot 40% from three. So if they can get him to keep going and get, get going like that, I think he averaged a little under 20 points a game. Like that's going to be big for them. Um, it's, it's that and Ken J. Crowder keeps shooting hot too. I think he has nine shot attempts. Also, we got to remember that Crowder and Iggy didn't play in any of the Boston-Miami yeah. games this season. Yeah. And I, um, I expect both those guys, especially with Boston with a guy like Jason Tatum, who I, I think yeah. we both figure is going to be a major factor in the series. Like, those are two guys Jason Tatum does not want to see lined up across from him when he's got the ball in the yeah. half court. No, like, that's no, not no. what you want at all. And I trust between the two of them, between Bam, like, I could really see this becoming a defensive series. It's going to be a lot of hunting of mismatches, and I don't think they're going to get them and be able to take advantage of them that often. I think um, ultimately what it's going to come down to for the series is which coach can hunt mismatches more, more effectively yeah. and more efficiently. Like there are mm-hmm. mismatches to be had. Both these teams are really good at keeping those mismatches from happening. Like I saw a really cool video. I think it was on an ESPN article. They were talking about how Boston is super, super good at hiding Kemba Walker off ball. Yeah. 
And like, I give a ton of credit to Marcus Smart. I mean, you see Marcus Smart, yeah. like quarterbacking the defense, like pointing everyone which way. They do a really good job of making sure Kemba Walker isn't caught on a big or caught on like a, a, a bigger wing who can really handle the ball and mm-hmm. punish him down low. It's going to come down to which coaching staff can really hammer those advantages. Well, you know, again, that's something else I'm looking at here is Miami just has, even if it's one more player, it's more people they have to hide um, on defense. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, I go back and forward. Do I want Miami in six? Do I want Miami in seven? Uh, Boston in six, Boston so, in seven. I lean Boston in six. I'm not surprised if this goes seven. Who they're going to play in, either one is going to play in the finals. Who knows? Um, funny stat, Jay Crowder, I think, shooting 40% from deep in the playoffs. Complete yeah. res- resurgence for him. Um, I think he had nine shot attempts per game, and eight of them are coming from three, which is hilarious. He literally has, like, the easiest role on the team, but give credit where credit is due. He's knocking Dude. him down. Like, you know all about saying do your job. I mean, yeah, know your if, role. If his job is to sit in the corner and shoot threes, like, he's going to sit in the corner and shoot threes. Guy is making bank. He's, I think it's a contract year for him, too. All right. Look, we're, we're wrapping up here. Uh, X Factors. Let's hear it. X Factors is, you know, who's going to get hot for the Boston Celtics? Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from Jason Tatum. If Kemba Walker plays up to his ability, you know we're going to get it from him. Where's the rest of the offense going to come from if Jimmy Butler decides to, you know, shut down Kemba Walker and Jay Crowder can, you know, take away Jason Tatum? For me personally, I think it's what, the second part of what you said. I think the wing defenders that Miami has are going to make life really difficult for Jason Tatum. Mm. And I think without – and Tatum didn't have a great second round. You, you, I don't see the aggressiveness from Tatum. Like, the numbers are there. If you flash back to, Tate, to the Celtics run Tatum's rookie year where – literally a 20-year-old Jason Tatum was going chest to chest with LeBron as yeah. monumentally stupid, too. as monumentally stupid as it was for Jason Tatum to try to like get yeah. in LeBron's face in a game seven, like awful move on his part. I haven't seen the aggressiveness from Tatum in this postseason so far. He's a better player obviously than he was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. But I think he's, if Boston's going to win, I think Tatum's going to have to be a lot more aggressive, but I don't think he's going to be nearly as efficient as Boston needs him to be with just the rotating cast of defenders that Miami can throw at him. Yeah. Uh, what about the heat side? I think oh, I don't know man it's like Miami's such a tough team to like kind of pinpoint one specific player because like you love Jimmy Butler but he's not a shooter and I personally don't think he's I don't think Jimmy Butler is the reason the Heat win this series I think it's going to be Bam honestly I think Bam is going to be the guy that Miami gets the ball to when, my, when Boston blitzes them on pick and rolls or outright doubles them mm-hmm. and if Bam can have a series where he's just running the four on three game going downhill getting into the basket maybe you know if Boston's not running a lineup with Tice on the floor Robert Williams on the floor I think we'd be looking at Bam Adebayo driving on like Marcus Smart at the rim not to discredit Marcus Smart but like for guys athletic as Adebayo who's getting five six inches on Marcus Smart that's gonna be a tough matchup for Boston I think Adebayo ultimately will be the key X factor yeah, I think, I think he's the X factor. I think that's, you know, the right choice. I think the make or break moment for Miami, like you said before, is that wing defense, right? Can Jay Crowder continue to just be, you know, that three and D guy? Um, what does Andre Iguodala give you? And what do you do well, about At, a, at a bare minimum. Also, did you just get that John Heyman tweet? I did not. Steve Cohen is in agreement to buy the Mets. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I saw that. I saw that this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, oh. All right, five minutes left. Has come. We didn't even put this in the rundown. This broke like right before the show. You saw Giannis's meeting with uh, the Bucks GM. I'm in and pres- in front you gotta of give me. You got to give me a minute here. Take it's time. really happening. So it's really happening. 
The good news is the Mets will still find a way to fuck it up. Absolutely, baby. But at least we have some excuses now. All right, five minutes before we bounce. Did uh. you see the news about Giannis and his sit down with the Bucks front office? Yes. Agreement to spend into the cap, agree mm-hmm. uh, over the cap. Agreement to, to provide a championship roster around him, whatever the hell mm-hmm. that means. Uh, yeah, were they not doing that? Were they not trying to do that before? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's spin. But I think uh-huh. the big thing is the willingness to spend over the cap and to pay uh-huh. the luxury tax to put a top flight team around Giannis. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big key. And I guess sitting down, always a good sign, you know, sitting down, acknowledging that you got to get something done about it. Yeah, I mean, better than, better than skipping your exit meeting at your yeah. stops. Um, real quick before we get out of here, WNBA playoffs starting tomorrow night. They have a day off today, which scheduling wise is just unfortunate because with no NBA today and then you have a huge um, – you have a huge games. You have game seven tomorrow and you have the Miami Celtics game. That's tough. I am really interested in seeing because round one and round two are both, uh, are both uh, winner go home games in the WNBA. Yeah. Did Seattle and Las Vegas both make it into the semifinals. Um, I encourage everyone to sign up for Matt Ellen Tuck's uh, newsletter. I've enjoyed it a lot. It was a wild last couple of days um, going into it. I'm rolling with my girl, uh, Asia Wilson, who was fantastic. I saw a film study on her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just, I, I think it was her going right. That it was just, uh, it was just like, why are you, why are defenders literally just letting her go right every single time? Um, I la- crazy last couple of days in the WNBA. Um, I'm really excited to see how this format works out because, you know, I think it, this argument kind of falls apart a little bit in the NBA now because it's always, oh, it's yeah. you don't have, yeah. uh, you don't have, uh, upsets and all this and all that. And it's been the opposite of that. Um, this postseason, especially if you have the Bucks and Clippers both bounced in the semifinals. Um, but winner go home the first two rounds, pretty wild. I like it, honestly. It's fun. Yeah. It's the, and the WNBA needs to do something to, like, separate them. Not just separate themselves, but, like, distinguish themselves. Uh-huh. Like, what does the WNBA offer? And, like, they got nothing to lose. Like, try it. Why not? Yeah. Like, so many people bashed the new wildcard format in Major League Baseball when it first came around. The wildcard games the last handful of years have been, like, some of the best playoff games we've yeah. seen. I mean, there is just inherent excitement in a and now duel. You're, and now you're expanding it too. Exactly. Yeah. Again, it's like you know they they have nothing to lose at this mm-hmm. point. Like yeah, you, get, yeah. you got a couple of games on ESPN and ABC too, uh, for the semifinals, which is big. Like if there's you know groundbreaking news here. Great way to like improve your reputation as a, as a league. Create exciting games. Create drama. Create fun yeah. matchups where you're you're looking at game seven type of environments like. I think sports fans if, will tune in for that. Yeah. Especially Diane Taurasi saying, I'll meet you in the lobby after. Woo! That is just I love is it. badass. Uh, ben, just about ready to wrap up. You got anything else? Uh, actually, oh, my, wow. I literally, I've been starting to do something where I like screenshot tweets or like just like kind of like quips I want to like bring up on the show. And I go, God, where's my phone? I need to find these screenshots. Hi. I forgot to. Uh... Phone's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've been a zombie today. I like could not get out of bed. It's that Sunday blues, man. I think it's just. I mean, you su- also just have no reason to get out of bed, really. Yeah, no, I had class today. You literally. I got body bagged. Go- I got body bagged in class today. Oh my god! <laughs> Why don't you tell our, our fans what our what our uh, our professor Pete Johans, who is one of the goofiest men I have ever spoken uh, to, one of the goofiest people wow. I've ever spoken to, um, he always always body bags his students. What do you say? Yeah. 
Uh, it's not a direct quote. I like made some kind of like smart ass comment to Pete because that's the only way you're like legally allowed to interact with him. I, like, I forget exactly what I said. And Pete just like immediate goes, song along the lines of, Ben, you knew I wasn't going to listen to what you said. Why did you unmute yourself? It's like, it, it's such a weird dynamic. It's like, I don't even really know like most of the kids in this class. Like I'm like going back and forth with Pete over some, you know, something stupid probably. Mm-hmm. And everyone's probably just looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid? I've gotten that one before. Um, I got nothing. So I guess that's, uh, that does it. Um, That'll also do it. Monday, hey, are, we, are we putting the new intro in? Are we putting yeah, the uh, Oh, yeah. If you're, watching us on, uh, if you're watching us on Instagram Live right now, you got to go check us out on Spotify, on YouTube, um, on Anchor, and then a bunch of other uh, you know, weird podcast providers. Um, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're all up there. Um, go check us out. Rate us five stars. Give us a like. You know, run up those plays, too, so it looks better for us. Um, make us look good. Like, please yeah. just make us look like we know what we're talking about. We, Not like we know what we're talking about because we don't. Like, no, we do. The, Come on. Yeah, sort of. Um, we, got, we got a fire intro getting put in. Got to love that royalty-free uh, music. Love some ro- the amount of, like, royalty, like, tight beats I looked up on YouTube. They're like, royalty-free beats. Oh, my God. I, I love it. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs> um, if you're watching us on Instagram, thank you so much. Follow us on Twitter, at Two Floor Sports. If you're listening to us on Spotify, our anchor, wherever you get your podcast or you're watching us on YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been our Monday NFL roundup. We will see you on Thursday, bringing you all the action for week two in the NFL. What's left in the NBA. If the Clippers are still in the playoffs and a couple reactions from the first couple games from the Eastern conference finals, Ben Carlton and Matthias Wallman. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you guys soon. So long.